So as always, thank you for joining me. Enjoy the podcast. Kick back and relax. The force is strong and is with us always. And never forget. We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. Of this moment, the force is strong. Make ten men feel like a hundred. I will take the next chance. And the next time. You're all rebels, aren't you? You call the Jesse James. Jesse, aka the Bizzle. Yo, the Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, the Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzle cast, welcome to the promised Star Wars Celebration Chicago 2019 recap and more with Jedi Geek Girl herself. We got a lot to cover. I talked a little bit about this uh, with Simi a few days ago, but that was mostly talking about the trailers. So we're going to talk about all the experience as well as the trailers, the panels, um, and uh, a lot and a lot of stuff that Jedi Geek Girl did that, um, that I wasn't around for, some of it which will be... New to me, and so Jenna Geek Girl, as I welcome you back, I, I I'll, I'll say this again. I want to start by formally thanking you for making the experience a lot better than it would have been. I would have had a great time no matter what, but you getting me uh, knowledge about um, giving me knowledge about the podcasters party among many other things, as well as encouraging me to take a photo with Tia, which is amazing. That talk about at length with Sydney. I, so just thank you for all of that, really. No, no, no. Thank you for coming. You helped enrich the experience and it was a lot of fun. And thank you for having me on. I'm happy to be back and we have so much to talk about celebration. I mean, I've been looking forward to this conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and while it wasn't perfect uh, celebration, um, I still give it an A plus from just a personal experience. We're mostly going to be focusing on the positive, but since Jedi Geek Girl was there all the days, inevitably some things, you know, weren't weren't you know always amazing. Uh, the, so it may come up. Um, I initially suggested a list, um, but JGG thought it would be better to just sort of do free flowing conversation. And Jedi Girl, since I have talked about this a little bit, and again, you were a, a significantly more of celebration than I was in the actual convention. Um, um, I'm, I'm going to let you mostly direct this and then I'll sort of tag on to some of the stuff if, if it's relevant to me or ask you some questions about stuff that maybe I didn't know about or flesh out for the audience. Um, but before we jump into any of the specifics or even like, you know, big picture stuff day to day, what do you want to share with the, the Bizzlecast listeners in your initial thoughts? Because it seems by all accounts that this was from the perspective of the fans, but also the actors, directors and everybody else to be a stunningly spectacular success overall i think the biggest takeaway for me for from celebration is star wars is love star wars is family what you see on the internet what you hear on podcasters what you hear from certain podcasters what this media perception of the star wars fandom what you hear about it just is not right it's just so friendly and familiar and loving going to Star Wars Celebration, that it was a real status check of what Star Wars is all about. I hate the term, but like what you hear about Star Wars being divided, what you hear about 
all the negativity. It's all fake news. That doesn't mean that there aren't people whose feelings are valid. I know I talk to a lot of people who have valid feelings, but it, it's a lot worse than what it actually is. And I think mm-hmm. Star Wars Celebration was a reflection of that because everybody there was there for positive reasons. I'm pretty sure, no, I'm 100% certain not everybody there loves the prequels. Not everybody loves Resistance. Not everybody loves The Last Jedi. But it was such a positive experience that that is what Star Wars was, is about. Absolutely. And, and I, I don't... I, I don't um, we don't need to necessarily start with this, but the reception of Kelly Marie Chan, which I felt confident was going to happen, but still brought tears to my eyes. It made the national news. At least 50,000 people in all the various parts of the building on that Friday who, who were either in the room or in the overflow rooms or in the exhibition hall and so forth, where, where I was with my dad and, and the cheering and the standing ovation. Um, you know, my, my thought about this is, you know, we, we'll never get rid of the hateful idiots for, for good, but this was as much of a statement by the fans as anything else and just seeing the reaction on kelly's face but also jj and kathleen kennedy who have seen it all but jj you could tell was so happy uh for her um and uh and you know he he praised her a ton obviously um but just how natural it was from the fans like the fans were so ready i can't imagine how nervous she was even though people were probably telling her kelly this is the best audience it's going to be super positive you know i'm sure she was nervous the fans were just so ready uh to to give her that love and you know and the fact that it made the national news really uh, you know I have friends that sort of aren't major Star Wars fans, um, but but really were lost in the Kelly Marie Tran uh, post Last Jedi thing. Um, but with all the sort of things that have come to light since then, where we're seeing it with you know everyone from Captain Marvel to whatever that there are hackers involved and that there's an ice you know a fairly small group of what I would overall I call it the terrorist thing. You know, all you need is one in a ten thousand terrorists, but it seems like there's ten thousand of them and I've, I've always felt that way but this was confirmation for me yes not everyone is going to love her or the last jedi but everyone in that building was showing as you said love 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 all weekend all around and it just got better and better from my perspective and not just her but i'm at best also was showing the same love mm-hmm. and i know that I met Ahmad Bass, and we'll get to that later, and I met Hayden Christensen, and I made sure to tell them that I love them, I appreciate that what they did and why they're here and you can see the emotions on their face i was talking to hayden i'm like you were my you are my you were my star wars i love what you did and thank you so much and you can see the emotion on his face and i told i met best the same thing i'm like i'm so glad that you're here to celebrate with us and you can see the emotion on his face so i'm pretty sure like everybody in line might not like love those characters but they love the actors behind them and they respect them and I, I'm not a fan of the true fan word, but the people who were at Celebration were there for positive reasons, so... Absolutely, absolutely, and and me as being, uh, you know, Star Wars is my favorite and half my coverage. But I love movies in general and love great actors. 
for me, uh, you know, if you, even if you don't like Last Jedi, even if you don't like the character of Rose Tico, nevertheless, if you don't recognize that she's a brilliant young actress, then you're clearly not watching. And the fact that JJ thanked Ryan for things, but mostly thanked him for casting Kelly Marie Tran, JJ doesn't kiss, even though his, he loves his actors and his actors love him, JJ's not one to just kiss ass, you know, kiss the ass of even his actors that he loves. So if he said that, he really means that. And so you've got two all time great directors. And Ryan and JJ, who are completely infatuated with her as an actress, I thought she was spectacular on screen, even in rewatches where, you know, there's some scenes I might have done slightly differently. If you can't recognize her talent and her just being a great and super intelligent and cool human being, then I just kind of feel bad for you. But there's always going to be those people, right? Exactly. Yes. And she's been in other movies and she's going to be in a ton of other movies, just like Daisy Ridley and John Boyega. She's, she's right there. And, um, you know, we talked, uh, I, I don't, I, I'm going to let you bring up the first big topic, whatever you want. I will say, JGG, in our preview for it, we mostly agreed that if the episode nine panel killed, um, both in terms of the panel and the trailer, it would set the tone for the whole weekend. And I'm not saying there wouldn't have been tons of love if the panel was so so and the trailer was so so, but it didn't hurt that every Everyone was on a super high after that whole thing culminating in the trailer. I felt like that carried through, if maybe not all, but most of the weekend from my perspective and from a few people I knew that were there and and met and so forth. It it did feel like a party at that point, right? Yes, and let's let's go ahead and start with that because like I previously mentioned the last time I was on and anybody who follows me on social media episode nine, I wasn't really looking forward to, I was a little disconnected. A lot of that had to do with a lot of stop and go and waiting for news to come out and not getting it kind of like that built up for anticipation only to be let down. But I was absolutely blown away by the trailer. It really sold me. I saw a lot of things in it that, help relieve some of the anxiety I had about episode nine. I'm trying not to get too crazy with theories because I don't want to cling on to anything, but I just have to admire JJ Abrams. To me, JJ Abrams is a marketing genius. The way he marketed the first Awakens, the way that this trailer is marketed is so amazing. Like I am seeing people who have been disconnected with the sequel trilogy who is really looking forward to episode nine. And we all cannot be right. Like I'm approaching episode nine from a different perspective than some people. And I have different takeaway from the trailer than those people. And we all cannot be correct. So somebody somewhere is going to be wrong. But I think the way that JJ framed the trailer is he sold the trailer to people who are not going to unfortunately like the film because not everybody's going to like everything but i I just have to admire him because he's a brilliant salesman Mm -hmm. uh can, can i add on to that real quick so long time, li- you know this too, but long time listeners know, and this is one of the first commentaries I ever did, uh, that I not only love the 2009 J.J. Abrams Star Trek reboot, but it's one of my favorite and I consider one of the best science fiction films, period. And that would have been enough to get him the Star Wars job. It probably was. I don't know if you noticed this, J.G.G., the This Christmas and all the lettering was exactly from the Star Trek Bad Robot font and so forth. And the flow of the trailer felt like that excitement. And I went back, uh, oh, sorry, that excitement of the 09 Star Trek reboot, which made a bazillion dollars, which no one saw coming for a Star Trek movie. Again, with a great young ensemble cast, which we keep adding to now, right? With Kelly from the last movie, Naomi from the new movie. But this felt like, because I went back and watched the Force Awakens trailer, and it's good, but it's mostly hinged on 
Han Solo and 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 Ray, um, and the excitement at the time. I, even though this, I'm talking about the teaser from The Force Awakens. I, I thought this was a the best teaser we've seen. We'll have to see about the trailer. I think this is the best teaser we've seen, including the Rogue One teaser, including the you know. Well, I don't even know if Solo had a teaser or what was going on there. Um, and it felt like JJ going back to his roots. And you know, at the time when we saw Star Trek 09, we had no idea we were getting another Star Wars movie ever or that Disney would buy it in three years or, or so forth. And, you know, a lot of us joked at the time, you know, again, I, 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 I'm just, this is just historical. I'm not saying I feel this way anymore, but some people joked at the time that it was the best Star Wars movie, even though it wasn't Star Wars since the original trilogy or fill in the blank, your favorite Star Wars movie. It felt like Star Wars in the Star Trek universe. The, cri- the criticism of the Star Trek reboot was that you could tell he was a Star Wars guy working with Star Trek material. Nevertheless, there was a kinetic adventureness into that movie that the best parts of the force awakens has but it feels like he's going to nail even more in this film with all the characters teaming up right they really stress the sort of avengers team up thing which i love you know that's why i love the first two avengers movie and i'm going to love the new one because i love the team up of all the superheroes and our star wars superheroes um and so i'm not saying this is going to feel like star trek the property but it does feel like he's drawing from that sort of frenetic kinetic adventure feel you know even the shots of poe and finn on the on the skiff and you know everything going and the initial jump of ray which everyone was just like like fell backwards like couldn't believe um i I don't know i I, you know me i'm a jj apostle and so if i was wrong about this or if i end up being wrong about the movie then i'll eat crow but i always felt once they got jj back um and with the new the new cast and i love the old cast i felt like he was gonna nail it i know you weren't so enthusiastic going into it but i know you were coming out of it so do you want to talk about um a couple things from the panel um and or the trailer and in, in any order um you want that that got you excited and of course you can also talk about things that are still question marks for you because I'm, I'm excited about all of it but again totally biased and the golden goddess kathleen kennedy praise her name hallelujah Well, I guess we should start this conversation with a big one. And for me, going into the trailer, I had a lot of anxiety about where the story was going. I didn't buy into the quote-unquote course correction that a lot of people have been laboring episode 9 as. A lot of it for me Me hinged on the story of Kylo, because Kylo is one of my favorite characters. I really love his journey. I love seeing where he has gone and where he is going and my major takeaway from from the trailer is i subscribe to ben Jemchen and everything that i've seen and everything that i didn't see leads me to believe that that is the way that they're going i don't know how they're going to execute it but that is what i see and it helps relate my anxiety and who knows what the story will actually be but for me i see it and i'm looking forward to seeing the execution so I'm not going to weigh in on that because you guys can listen to the last 10 minutes of my and Simi's discussion on the previous podcast. He is way on the other side. As I told you, I'm like the Bendu. I'm the one in the middle when it comes to Raylo and Bendemption. And I, JJ has a tall task because if he goes too far in either direction, he's going to piss off. Forget the idiots. 
if he goes to even the us true fans, you know, he's going to piss off. If it's pure Ben Demption Raylo, it's really going to alienate a lot of people. But if there's no, you know, complicated Ray Kylo stuff, then it's going to piss off a lot of people. So I don't envy him. Now, JJ is loves doing and usually great at surprise endings. Um, but I don't think it's going to come out of left field. So whatever that is, I hope they save it and they tease maybe in the trailer. But I would be fine without not a full trailer. I know there's going to be one and I'll have to watch it because it's Star Wars. But like, you know, let's put it this way. Of, of any problems I have in The Last Jedi, Rey and Kylo are not one of them. I mean, the, everything with Rey Kylo, I would say Rey Kylo and Luke, but definitely Rey Kylo in The Last Jedi is pure gold. Um uh, and I've actually watched just those scenes before, not because I don't want to watch the movie, just because the scenes are so fucking good. Um, and so I'm already there. You know, I, I want something complicated. But but I just again, from a pure filmmaking perspective, if it's pure Ben Demption or p- pure Ray murdering him with no Ben Demption, both of those would be unsatisfying to me. Um, but it's it's a fine line for JJ, right? I mean, we can at least agree on that. I, I think the execution of the story is going to be perfect. I think it's going to be in the middle. And I don't think that Bendemption means romantic Raylo. I think you can have Bendemption without the extreme romantic connection. Again, I talked about this in the last episode. Raylo, for me, is the connection and the relationship that they have with two peers together. An intimate relationship, not romantic, but because of the history and they're able to connect with each other. I don't know if you've had this in real life, but you're able to connect with somebody in an intimate level because you come from the same past, the same experiences. You don't love each other romantically, but you you know each other so well because you guys can relate. And that's, Velo to me and that that's what I see I see the dynamic between Ray and Kylo growing like I understand you you understand me we, we're on different paths but yep. our paths are intertwined and like I said I see the redemption being well executed I don't see it be quote-unquote cheesy mm-hmm. I, I think he's going to do a good job of pleasing all the audiences the the fans of the hardcore original trilogy the sequel trilogy fans the Ben Demption fans, I think the story is going to be executed. And again, what I see in the trailer, mm-hmm. what I have seen behind the scenes, obviously a lot mm-hmm. of that is hearsay. Who knows? A lot of it is like, okay, this is where they're going. And the title, I think, is beautiful. I think the title outside of Ben Demption is perfect mm-hmm. for the last uh, installment of the Skywalker saga. It, it, it's just so amazing. And it's kind of ironic. Like, I'm I'm big into Ray. Mm-hmm. I'm big into Kelly. I'm big into Ben Demption. Mm-hmm. But the one takeaway for me from the trailer, don't get me wrong, I love the Emperor. The Emperor is my favorite <laughs> Star Wars villain. It's Lando in the cockpit. Oh, yeah, baby. And, Woo! And, and, and I don't see I did not see that. I did not see that being the big takeaway for me, but that yeah. moment is just amazing. Just seeing mm-hmm. Lando flying the Millennium Falcon. Yep. <sighs> I mean, every shot w- w- for the most part was totally great and precious in the trailer. You know, everyone ood and odd with Ray's, I don't know. I mean, to me, the closest uh, thing to Ray's flip in terms of the slow-mo and how it was filmed was Wonder Woman. And I hope we get... We also saw that with Ray and Kylo in Episode 8. I, I love a tiny bit when the gr- big fighting or craziness happens. Just a, a second or two of slow-mo so we can really soak it in. I loved it in Wonder Woman. I didn't think it was excessive. There's only like three or four times they use it in Wonder Woman, but like 
it's it's it adds so much to it who knows what's really going on when she's jumping over the tie is it a dream is it training is it blah 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 who knows um but it was certainly um uh you know what what can we can we just talk talk through the trailer a little bit um but i want to add something to what you said before about the course correction because I, I agree with you. I, that's nonsense. And I saw plenty of reactions online of people being like, thank you, JJ, for saving us from the Last Jedi shittiness. And I'm like, well, nah, guys, if, if you think that's the case, you're going to be disappointed because he's going to work at a lot from the Last Jedi. Um, and the, you know, the more I think about it, even though, again, I prefer JJ's filmmaking and this kind of thing, the things I love of the Last Jedi are still at the top of my list of things I love about Star Wars. And Ryan had an impossible task to make a weird, dark middle movie that was mostly about fleshing out Rey and Kylo and, and you know, what was going to happen to Luke's character was never going to please anybody. But sometimes you need a film like that in the middle. You know, like, for example, I love Avengers Age of Ultron. A lot of Avengers fans will put that the middle to bottom of their MCU list. But you know what? Nothing from the Phase 3 movies, including, uh, you know, Captain Marvel, including Black Panther, including both Avengers movies, would have been possible without the setting up, if nothing else, with Age of Ultron. I happen to love Age of Ultron as a standalone film, but sometimes you have to do the heavy lifting in the middle, right? And Ryan Johnson had to do the heavy lifting, which was a very difficult task for someone who had only done, I guess, one big box office movie before in Looper, um, and God bless him for it, but the notion that this is a course correction... You know, like, you know, I've said that there is some course correction in Clone Wars from things in the prequels. But again, I think that was Lucas not saying, oh, people hated this. People hated that. Lucas looked at his own property and says, you know what? I'm going to do an animated series and I'm going to flesh out some of these characters. I didn't have time. I'm going to make Anakin more complicated because I have five, six seasons. I'm going to make Padme more complicated. I'm going to make Obi-Wan more complicated. Right. So that wasn't like a, a course correction to like please fans that weren't fans. That was his own property. And for Lucas's giant final creative project to be the Clone Wars, which makes the prequels so much cooler and makes everything else afterwards so much cooler is a beautiful beautiful thing so i I, but even i don't think it's even that with jj i mean he's definitely look he's bringing kylo's mask back there's going to be a lot of jj things that come back but i don't think any of them are going to be i guess the word i would say is transgressive towards ryan's vision in my opinion i just wanted to get that out there sorry I have two things I would like to say. The yes. first thing is, is remember, Empire Strikes Back. I mean, obviously, I was not alive, but if you look into it, if you it. dig up, it was panned by when everyone. it came out. Yep. And it's now considered by many, by most, to be the best Star Wars film of all time. So who's to say what will happen in 30 years? I mean, it could turn out like Attack of the Clones in the future, but who really knows? I mean, time will tell. I, I hope I'm alive to see it, but in my opinion... And I said this before, I think seven will be the most universally loved. I think nine will be the most popular and I think eight will be the most critically acclaimed. Mm -hmm. But we won't know until 23 years. But I do like I would like to make a joke a little bit. Um, And this is a joke. But you know that when Ray flips over the tie, it reminds me of another character that did a flip. Hashtag Ray is a Kenobi confirmed. (laughs) <laughs> that's what i've been pushing for if there's any relation um well I, i'm just kidding around no i, I know I just noticed it, I, I just yeah. uh, look 
if it wasn't enough with the snap scene and, and everything with, with Ray in episode eight, if you listen to Maz Kanata in the middle of Force Awakens, she's specifically saying she's not a Skywalker, but Luke could still be someone that could help her. Like, like JJ sort of teased it with the way Han kept looking at her funny in The Force Awakens. But if you take together the Maz thing and other clues from Force Awakens with Ryan, you know, saying she's a nobody, it would be a major backtrack track and i think there's no way jj is going to do it now if she's a kenobi or someone else like okay i could deal with that but if ray's a skywalker or god forbid a han solo child not with princess leia which people are insane if they think they're going to do that to dead carrie fisher there's no way there's no way they're going to do that to carrie fisher um but you know the obsession with uh, look look (laughs) i i have more problem with people who have an obsession with uh the birthright thing in the bloodline than anything having to do with Raylo. Um, you know, like Raylo is totally feasible. The obsession with the bloodline and, uh, oh, okay, well, let's talk about the title and then we'll talk about the trailer because this goes right into Rise of Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker, for me, is another clue she's not a Skywalker, but a lot of people aren't seeing that that way. Uh, most people love the title. I love the title. Your thoughts about the title and what it means. I think we talked about the title in person, but to refresh the conversation, yes. for me, the title is more further confer- confirmation, again, for me, of redemption. If you look at the titles of the sequel trilogy, The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, if you think about it logically, The Force Awakens in Rey, The Last Jedi is Luke, it says so in the the crawl of episode seven. Mm-hmm. If you think about it logically, rise, uh, The Rise of Skywalker, Hmm. The only Skywalker that is alive is Leia and Kylo. I think that's correct. Uh, Leia is uh, the rise of Skywalker. Could be Layla, Le- Layla, <laughs> Leia. You got me on my knees, Layla. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> Leia could be embracing her Jedi heritage and become a Jedi, which I think was supposed to be part of the Episode Nine story, but that cannot happen because of K no longer being with us. And I doubt that they filmed any Jedi stuff with her in episode seven. So that leaves Kylo for me. I, I think Skywalker being a title like Jedi, it makes sense. It, you can have both, but, but for me, it further confirmed redemption to me. Um, I know that's not popular, but that's my interpretation of the title. Um, you know, even though, even though I, um, <laughs> I'm I'm more to the center. L- let me put it this way: I- I'm I'm more on board with Ben Demption than straight up Raylo. You know, because again, now that with the Emperor, it would be total mirroring of that's but the, the supposed redemption of Darth Vader. But I got to tell you, as someone who loves Return of the Jedi in those scenes and loves Luke Skywalker, the more you watch Return of the Jedi, the more you're like. It's a sweet moment, but he still committed horrible acts of genocide and killing. This is Darth Vader I'm talking about, right? So I'm, go- I'm, I'm not letting the original trilogy about this off the hook. And so I, I actually think it w- if it's just Bendemption and not facing the horribleness at some level, um, that would be a little bit of a comp out to me um, and would go back to the f- episode seven critique of JJ of copying the original trilogy. If he starts copying episodes f- six too much, right? It's going to be that whole thing all over again. So he's going to make it more complicated. I, I think we're both on board about that. Um, he has to die is the only thing. But I don't know how it's going to happen. 
Um, I told I, you my theory, it, guys. If you've seen X X Men Three: Last Stand, and think of Wolverine and Jean Grey, that's all I'm gonna say. Um, would I, yeah. I would like to expand upon that because redemption doesn't mean absolution of your acts, and I think that's an excellent death, point. Yep. And I and I do think that death after redemption is an easy way out. If you get redeemed and you die. You're not paying for your actions. You you have you're dead. You you can't answer to them. You, you quote unquote redeemed yourself. Vader got off easy. I, I I think you're into Buffy, but Angel was always tortured. He was quote unquote redeemed. He was forced into redemption because he was given back his soul. But he constantly had to face that. There was no amount of good that he could have done to counter everything that he did wrong. He had to live with that. I am a huge fan of people who are redeemed but have to live with that. If Kylo gets redeemed, and I think he will, he will be living with that for the rest of his life. If he gets killed, if he dies, that's an easy way out. If you do something wrong, Mm -hmm. you should pay for it. You should live with it. And if you die, that's an easy way out. And, oh, my God, I am so passionate about this. But so I, I, I think if you do something wrong, you have to live with it. And if you die... I'm sorry, but that's an easy way out. Except I think he has a death wish. And so whether he begs Ray or someone else to kill him and whether it happens, I don't know. But he he's clearly aware at some level how disturbed he is in a way we never get with Vader. Of course, you know, once we meet Anna, younger Anakin Skywalker, that fills in a little bit. But if you, you know, the initial view of Vader, it, not, it's, it comes out of, out of nowhere, his final act, which is why it's not so cringeworthy the Emperor is still around. Because the more you watch Return of the Jedi, if you take it in a vacuum without the prequels, you're like, where did that come from? You know? Um, but I, I will, yeah, I, I think Kylo knows that he's so twisted because, you know, what's the, you know, the, the, the two sides of the coin of, of Anakin and Kylo is Anakin wants to be light but gets called to the dark whereas Kylo you know wants to be dark but keeps being called to the light right and that's actually more tormenting in some ways now it depends the relationship with the emperor and, and you know other ba- major bad guys if there are any um in this um and so again i don't want him to, unlike some people i don't want kylo to die because he killed han solo or even because he's killed a lot of other people i just think narratively it would be weird in star wars uh for him not to pay now i like your notion that he would suffer for eternity with the knowledge of the horribleness he did and i think that's in play for for absolute sure um but it would also seem unlikely uh, that he would kill the emperor after killing Snoke. But I, I don't know. Maybe not. So um, let, let, let's look at Vader for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Vader is considered by many to be redeemed in Return of the Jedi. And his, uh, his act of sacrifice and then he dies. But he doesn't die. He becomes a force ghost. And guess what? He's a force ghost without the one person that he loves. He's just forever alone without Padme. So, in a way, he's kind of in purgatory. He's being tortured. He's being punished. Even though there's life after death for him, there's purgatory for him. And I forgot where I was going. Oh, um, Read the comics, guys. The Darth Vader comics. It's really instructive on exactly what the geek girl's saying. And before and before we go on, but I would like to talk about redemption in Star Wars. There are people in Star Wars, in both canon and legend, that have done way worse things than Kylo did. Not 
Oh, don't get me wrong, killing your father is a horrible, horrible act, not just in general concept, but in literature and history and stuff like that. But if we look at other characters in canon and legend, we see that redemption, especially characters worse than Kylo's, do exist in Star Wars, and they do exist with them living. I think the biggest, most famous one is Mara Jade. Mara Jade is considered by some to be redeemed, and she was a hand of the Empire. She killed people up close and personal as an assassin, and she became mm. a beloved character in Star Wars. She's one of the popular characters still. Another character is Kip from the Jedi Academy series. He killed a whole galaxy, including his own brother. Mm. He blew up sun. He blew up suns. He was. This, he killed more people than maybe even Vader. I mean, killing a whole galaxy, that's quite a few people. Or a system. It, it was a system because you blow up a sun, you blow up the system. You In canon, you have Callus. Callus helped wiped out a whole species. You had uh, Iden Versio as another character. And you had a couple of other characters that escaped me right now who redeemed Oh. Iden Versio is another character. Again, these characters different from their degree, but redemption in Star Wars, people re being redeemed is a common theme. That doesn't mean Kylo will be redeemed. It doesn't mean he will not be, but people talk about how he shouldn't be redeemed. And I'm sitting here with a list of people who have been redeemed who are not only known, but are beloved so mm -hmm. i think kylo being redeemed makes sense in the context of story maybe not so much in the real world things but um there's mm -hmm. a precedent for it so okay so i have a quick response and then i want to get back to the panel and trailer your thoughts my quick response is i mean what do we know about vader from all the movies and the prequels and everything and and the original movies and of course the comic books i mean Vader is a genocidal killer, you know. I, I mean, we know that we see him kill people, both himself, order masses of people killed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, we don't know enough about Kylo at this point is part of the problem. Like, you know, like he doesn't try and stop Hux to do Starkiller base, but it's framed in a way that, you know, it's not his decision necessarily. So even if we put that on Hux or, or Snoke or whoever, we just don't know enough. And so it's going to be sold through performance, which is always how Star Wars works. And you know if he does one big act of courage and heroism then we'll see how the how people respond but we'll have to put a uh a, uh, we'll just have to flag that for for down the road so okay other things about the panel in the trailer you want to talk about go ian mcdermott his surprise was oh my god i was streaming the That's panel awesome. on my podcast and i was sitting there stunned and i wanted to react but i was recording i had people next to me reacting but i was like oh my god like i said Alfred emperor palpatine is my favorite and ian mcdermott is such a good actor if you know about his career outside of star wars you know that he is a really good stage actor mm -hmm. and i am really looking forward to seeing what palpatine's role is going to be in episode nine i don't think necessarily he's alive but i am hooked because like i said i love everybody loves palpatine even if you quote unquote hate him you love to hate him. And uh, uh, another thing that was a big takeaway is we saw a picture of Rose and Ray together, which is so awesome. I was a little bit worried of Rose's role in, wow, tongue twister, in, in episode nine. Mm -hmm. But I am really looking forward to that. And again, a lot of what I saw from the panel helped relieve some of my anxiety about the film. So, so 
you know, I'm not a huge fan of Battlefront 2, the video game. However, the early parts of the campaign, there's amazing lore, and it is canon. And the two major ones are, of course, the Sentinels, which are like, you know, robot uh, Palpatines to be released after his death. And then Luke, you know, finding and grave robbing, essentially, or tomb raiding, I should say, um, one of his observatories. And I, I immediately thought that was between those two things, but especially the observatories. And he's looking beyond the galaxy. We know Thrawn's from beyond the galaxy. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's some be uh, something beyond the galaxy that comes in to bring him back or he's back and he brings someone in. It's not going to be Thrawn, but I, I think there's something extra galactic, if that's a word, uh, that's going to be going on here. And I agree it's not going to be straight up Palpatine, but they wouldn't do it just for a cheap uh, thrill. Um, and I do have a thought about why they brought Palpatine in. I don't think this was ever part of the plan to be uh, until fairly recently, like in the last year or two, is my opinion. Um, because let's be honest, Jedi Geek Girl, and this didn't occur to me till I, I was, let's put it this way, I was taken aback but the fact that almost everyone was age-wise or, or generation-wise was taken aback by how excited people were by the Palpatine thing and how much they recognized it. When I watched reaction videos, even like little kids recognized it. And I was like, you know what? Because if you love the prequels, you love Palpatine. And if you love the original trilogy, you love Palpatine, right? So he's the perfect guy to come back. Bridge is the big evil bad guy that's way better and cooler and more evil than Snoke. It, and it actually, as I said to Simi, ben, I think more than the title, Palpatine is bigger evidence of redemption because, you know, if he's the big, evil, horrible, worst guy ever in nine episodes, that, that opens a narrative, a, a branch or, or multiple branches for various forms of, of redemption, right? Because of how evil he is. I agree with you 100%. And a couple of things. Number one, when it comes to the dark side, the dark side doesn't have life after death like Force Ghosts do. What they do is, if you read the Vader comic, the second series, they possess an item or a location. I can definitely see the Emperor's presence being more of a, uh, a spiritual nature, but not mm. in the same as a Force Ghost type thing. And no matter what role he has in Episode Nine, it's going to be the presence of the presence of the Empire. The Emperor is going to be felt. It, no matter if it's him, if it's a Sentinel, or if it's his quote-unquote spirit his presence is going to be on the film and i do think it's going to be a big moment for kylo and for ray i think that's probably going to be their confrontation uh, a turning point and to call it to clarify father on your point kathleen kennedy and ian mcdermott both said that this was on the table when discussing the sequel trilogy yeah and you know what if you take everything from the aftermath books to the uh, lore from Battlefront 2. They, they, you could see that they could have been teasing it the whole time. That's that's definitely true. Um, I would say, you know, because let's get in a little lore here, right? Because in Aftermath, he has a whole plan about sending his best that's still alive out to the Outer Rim. Now, some of them die, and who's left, it ends up being the First Order. But the First Order, you know, is not what Palpatine really wanted. It was just a copy of the Empire, right? I mean, he wanted to... He wanted to... I mean, do we talk about uh, Operation Cinder or Project Cinder really quickly? Because that could inform what's going on here. Yeah, go ahead. 
um, which is just that in in case that he died, he recognized that the, the, the empire was rotting at its core. There was too much bureaucracy. There's too much ineptness. And so the sentinels that I mentioned, but along with a hand-picked few who he considered elite um, people would go out and, and make a bigger, better version of the empire, possibly going outside the galaxy or bringing in people from outside the galaxy, like Thrawn, but not necessarily Thrawn. Um, but some of them die in the final aftermath book. And we, we, you know, we still don't have the full Battle of Jakku story, um, but we know there's tons of Sith virgences, and we know there's tons of Sith artifacts all over the place. So I don't know. It's exciting to me how many ways this could go now that Palpatine's back in the picture. Because if we take the observatories and, and, and Project Cinder, Project Cinder into canon, which we have to, right? Then he was already looking past his own death, and now it seems his own towards his own rebirth, maybe as well at some point. Who knows? I just think that they have to be really careful because if you read some of the stories and legends, I felt like they were retreading a lot of the same track. There's a story in legends called Dark Empire, which revolves around cloning of Emperor Palpatine. Emperor Palpatine, a clone of him, comes back and Luke um, Luke falls to the dark side underneath Palpatine. And to me, that kind of undermines the sacrifice that was made in Return of the Jedi and Luke's action, I think that they have to be very careful because if they bring up, let's say for argument's sake, that Palpatine survives. Let's just say that, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't that kind of undermine the the event of Return of the Jedi? You know it, what I'm saying? It does. And if you had told me even a few months ago this was going to happen, I would have responded just how you did and not been happy. But seeing how happy everyone is from all generations and pumped for it, I can't be unhappy if, if people are getting excited about it. And so I, I think we're on the same page that it's not going to be straight Palpatine. Uh, it's yeah. going to be something else. It's going to draw from canon, but it's not going to be too heady, you know, because the average person has to get behind it. But JGG, I have to say, the other thing this shows, because they revealed it so clearly and so obvious with Ian McDermott coming on the stage, which was fantastic. Let's put it this way. You would think this would be the big surprise that we no one would know until we saw the movie, right? But now it's out there already, before even the final trailer, which means there's at least one or two huge surprises we aren't getting till the movie. And Rey still needs training. She still needs guidance. She needs an Obi-Wan Kenobi because Luke didn't train her enough. And to reach the next level, I mean, for better or worse, Kylo's had people training him. Rey needs a trainer. And I can think of an alien lady uh, who will be old but still alive that could train her. I'm not saying 100% Ahsoka's happening, but this to me, because of Ahsoka's relationship to the Emperor, season four, of rebels and and everything that would be the big surprise at this point like i don't know what surprise would be bigger than the palpatine surprise which they already gave us and, and which would drive the fans crazy the only thing that would drive the fans as crazy as this or more crazy is ahsoka tano um now i'm coming around on having an actress play her and having ashley do the voice which wasn't initially my prediction but after re-watching blade runner 2049 
and the movie Her. In both cases, they have that exact thing happen. You can pull it off. So I, 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 that's how I would do it. And it would be a short scene. It would be, but it would, I, I hope it's not just a, a force Obi-Wan or Luke because we've seen that before. And I think, you know, having an older woman alien be the one to train Ray would be such a perfect bookend. And JJ wants to give the fans what they want, even more than Force Awakens. He wants to give them everything they want, give us everything they want. And I don't know what fans want more at this point than uh, than Ahsoka Tano. So for me, uh, it, the, the the reveal this early of Palpatine actually, I think, lends credence to my Ahsoka theory. But if, in more general terms, it lends credence to an even bigger character or character's surprise in the final product. Thoughts? Oh, I can give you one. Hayden Christensen. Uh, I hear a lot of people talking about how they want to see Hayden Christensen. And I think a beautiful moment absolutely beautiful moment could you imagine and i doubt this will be the way it goes could you imagine kylo and ray confronting palpatine let's just say that that's the scene in the movie i doubt it but let's let's just say that it is and they're they're, they're about to go in they're about to confront palpatine luke talks to ray because they did luke has to tie up that loose end and obviously luke will probably talk to kylo but could you imagine imagine hayden christensen talking to kylo I, I actually agree that there could be a Hayden appearance, but I don't think that's the big surprise because w- that would only geek out, you know, 20 to 30 percent of the population. I think Ahsoka uh, w- would geek mm, out more of the population. I, mm, well, hold on. I, can, I, can I finish, please? Um, but the optics of Ahsoka, if you show her for five seconds in the... In the you know, in the trailer, um, you know, with the white lightsabers, even if, if you're a little boy, little girl, and you've never seen Ahsoka before, you see that, you get so geeked. Hayden would be very divisive if he has a major role. I would love to see him in a minor cameo in it, but I think giving him a major role would be very divisive in a way that, you know, and, and that, that that's unnecessary. Um, unless they wrote him something amazing, in which case, sure. I mean, give me a great movie. I, I'm not. I'm not talking about myself. I, I'm talking about the, the you know the audience. Um, but you know, I, I, anything could happen. I just think the the the, the character the least controversy out there. That, let's put it this way: a, a character that's not a white male with the least controversy out there that's not Ray or maybe Jin is Ahsoka. And in some ways, Ahsoka, because of the younger generation, is more of a cult following than even ray does um and and so that would be really interesting hayden you know people who love the prequels love hayden and and i think he's a sweet guy who's very talented who was asked to do very difficult acting chops when he was super young um so i I would love to see that but i don't think he's gonna be the big surprise would be my prediction uh i got a couple points i want to say number one hayden uh, number one ahsoka is so loved and popular and such an iconic character and i do agree that it will be awesome to see it in a film. But if we look at the audience exposure and knowledge of it, like the prequel trilogy were a blockbuster. Everybody saw that the advertisement. Everybody's familiar with Hayden Christensen and a wider variety of the audience, the casual audience know Hayden Christensen, regardless of if they love the sequel trilogy. Uh, sorry, if they love the prequel trilogy or not, they're familiar with the prequel trilogy. They know Hayden Christensen. Uh, that he has a lot more exposure than Ahsoka. That doesn't mean that Ahsoka is loved less. No, that just means that Hayden has more notice. Uh, number two, it makes a lot more story sense of Hayden Christensen talking to Kylo. What connection does Hayden Christensen, Anakin Skywalker not 
have that Ahsoka does have. Ahsoka can teach Rey, yes, there, there's a time gap, yes, you can have Ahsoka, but the meaning that contributes the, the contribution to the story cannot be given to the same level that Anakin talking to Kylo or even Kylo, excuse me, um, Anakin talking to Rey. I don't see that happening because he is a Skywalker. It is his legacy. It's his family. It's his contribution. Number three, there are people who do not like the prequel trilogies who don't like it that would like to see Hayden Christensen. They would like to see that connective tissue. They see that they know that his lines were kind of rough in the prequel trilogy. They know that his direction maybe wasn't the best, but they also know it's JJ. It's not just Lucas directing him. And if you get Hayden Christensen behind the camera with JJ directing, you know that he would give a good job. So I would love to see Ahsoka, but I think for okay. exposure, story contribution, mm-hmm. and just the saga, it has to be Anakin. Okay, I'm going to give one last Ahsoka thing, and then I want to hear more about the trailer and the panel. Um, and then we should move on to some other topics. But let's be honest. Episode 9, the whole thing was amazing. So I'm glad we're taking time. Here's the thing, Janky Girl. Do I want Ahsoka in the final movie? Yes. But this prediction, it has been for a while that I've been do- making, is what I think could happen. Not n- just based on what I want to happen. I think Hayden would be cool. I think Obi-Wan Kenobi would be cool. I mean, there's a million things that would be cool. But to me... And this could be in one of the other live action shows. I mean, hell, she's Fulcrum and we're getting a Cassian prequel. That would be an amazing place for live action Ahsoka. Um, You know what I mean? As a handoff to to Cassian with the Fulcrum thing or whatever. I mean, but whether it's here or Cassian or, or the Mandalorian or whatever... The greatness of Ahsoka, and let's be honest, as Simi said, the, Clone War, the new Clone Wars season, we could just call Ahsoka slash the Clone Wars, you know? I mean, they're even painting their arbor like Ahsoka. I mean, this is clearly an Ashley Eckstein Ahsoka special. And if they can get the Clone Wars out before the episode 9, which I'm not saying is going to happen, it doesn't seem like it, but they could, um, and it does even better than we think... Um, I think Ahsoka is more popular than maybe uh, other people do, um, but I don't think her greatness as the by far greatest, let me put it this way, the greatest non-live action character in canon ever by like a million light years is Ahsoka Tano. And I don't think she'll be truly legendary if she's only in animated form forever now if they don't think they can do it and pull it off that's one thing and if again like if it happens in cassian or something like that would be fine but again i think we need a woman an older woman training ray it's perfect mirror of obi-wan with anakin and then luke it just it's it would be her obi-wan it, it's just it you know it works thematically it works dramatically and it works with the characters uh, that's why i would like to see it but it also feels right to me but yeah either way whether it's hayden and soko or otherwise i think we at least agree there are some more secrets that to drop that i hope none of us know about before we see the movie right I agree 100%. And the last thing I'm going to say yes. is it's just a matter of time before we get live action Ahsoka. It's just a, it, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. I, yep. I'm not on board. I don't think it'll be in episode nine, but I do think it's just a matter of time. So, yeah, I think we can all agree on that. It has to happen. Must, must happen. Agree. Uh, um, 
But do, do you agree that timeline-wise, because of the fulcrum thing and the, and it worked in the rebellion with Bale? I mean, the casting thing could make would might make sense. I it, I think it could make sense, especially yeah. uh, because it, it it does make a lot of sense. I could also see her being in like a Luke, Luke live action. I, I don't know. There's yep. just so many options, but yes, I it, it would fit. Well, and it would be interesting to see whether she does any Castian-like things that we don't see on a family show like Rebels. Like, as I said before, Ahsoka is the fulcrum that is taking out bad guys. Cassian's the fulcrum that's taking out good guys in order, I mean, you know, in order to help the good guys, supposedly. So it'd be interesting to see whether she goes through a dark period in her handoff to Cassian where she's doing some not-so-great things either. That would complicate her character in interesting ways. But okay, let's move on. Um, we've talked about Kelly Marie. Any other highlights from the panel um, and or trailer you want to talk about before we move on to some other stuff? Before the before the panel even began, they showed a little clip reel of outtakes from the previous Star Wars films as well as backstage interviews with people. It was like a quick snippet. And at the end, they showed a couple of scenes from episode nine. One of them that really stuck with me is Kylo Ren. You might have seen the scene on the internet somewhere, but it shows mm. Kylo what looks to be in the desert with a long coat, mm. no mask, and the wind's blowing, and it, it's it's such a beautiful scene. It also showed a Tatooine 4-type ship on a jungle planet, and it showed uh, JJ giving direction to Ray, Finn, and Poe, and that really stuck with me because that was the first thing that we saw from episode nine. Mm. Another thing that really stuck out to me is we saw an image of Kylo in his tie, no mask. Um, and if you look at the tra- trailer, when the tie fighter is approaching Ray, you see a pair of hands. And if you look at the background, you can see a little bit at the background of the tie and it matches that picture. Uh, So I I was loving everything that we got from episode nine because it was Mm -hmm. all new. It was all fresh. We saw Snap again. We saw Mm -hmm. new aliens. It was just, it was so little, but so much. Could could I just respond about the mask really quickly? Go. I predicted the mask would come back, but this again, guys, is not any sort of course correction. You could not have done the great Ray Kylo stuff with him with the mask in episode eight. You just couldn't. Um, I, I, and th- my only problem is the line that Snoke says, take off that ridiculous mask. Like they could have handled that better, but him smashing the mask as symbolically and uh, having the telepathic Skype with Ray face to face, even without a shirt. I mean, the sort of de-robing uh, physically uh, of Kylo, I don't think people realize is symbolic as well in the last jedi it's not just like i'm gonna smash th- i'm gonna it's not trying saying oh i'm gonna have him smash the mask because i'm doing something different and i'm gonna have him shirtless because that's something different the laser no there's, there's a reason for all this stuff mm-hmm. so i and if you ask jj he's probably thrilled that he gets to rebuild the mask that he came up in the first place that's way cooler right because there's it's going to be different and there's going to be a story behind it and you know kylo smashes it like he always does it, it does in a moment of of passion and self-hatred um um, and covering his face is going to be, you know, a, a confirmation of that self-hatred. Um, and, and so, you know what I mean? And so I think this whole corrective thing, you know, people are mixing up like evolution that happens over a trilogy with different directors. You know, I mean, Lucas probably couldn't have guessed what Kasdan did with Leia and Han with A New Hope, right? I mean, 
like without Kasdan writing uh, Empire Strikes Back, we don't get the amazing Leia Han stuff. Um, you know, you know. Um, and so it's this is all a process of evolution and the way Filoni is taken over in so many ways. It's not a, not a you know it's not a coincidence that Filoni is involved with both of the two main shows coming out, and the one that he created, the Clone Wars with Lucas and the Mandalorian, which he, normally you would never think. But I mean, we've known for months that's the case. But you know, there's a reason Filoni is involved. And so I just want to point out things like the mask is an opportunity for JJ to reintroduce it in a whole new way. And so I, I hope we get a good mix of Adam and Kylo, I guess, or Ben and Kylo, I should say, in this one. There, there's a lot of symbolism in it. And uh, if you look at episode eight, you see these characters who start at one point and they grow towards each other and they get intimate. And do you see this in real life with it? Again, it doesn't have to be romantic, but you see people get close together and then something happens where that friendship goes sour. Mm. And in last Jedi, it does not go how either one think it is and they go away. And instead of moving forward, they regress backwards. And part of the regression of Kylo is embracing the mask. And the mask isn't like what it was before. It's shattered. He was exposed and he was he was burned. He was hurt and he, he rebuilt it. But you see that that pain, for lack of words, in his helmet with the red thing. If you look at Ray. Ray, when she flew in, she regressed into that childlike excitement. So uh, it, there's a lot of symbolism in it with the helmet being back in. I'm curious to see what will happen in 9 because if you look at the trailer, those are not Kylo's hands repairing it. Those hands are furry. That doesn't mean that Kylo's not repairing it. It just means that in that scene, scene it's not Kylo doing the mm. work. Interesting. I had not considered that. Yeah, there, there's a lot in the trailer that we can keep talking about, so. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen, you know, the meme. Again, brilliant job by Kasdan and Ron Howard, the the line of uh, with Han and and, and um and Donald Glover in Solo about over my dead body. And now he yeah. is flying the Falcon over Hans' body, but he's definitely going to have a crying moment with whatever they have of Carrie Fisher, I'm sure. And then it's for Han, you know, like it, this is going to be like, I'm doing this for Han. He's Chewie's right there. You know, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. I thought he was hilarious on the panel. He's, he, you know, he seemed a little medded up or something, but he was so honest. I, I loved it. You know, talking about getting his money, but he loves the role. It was, it, it was it was great. Um, everyone was great. Uh, as I had predicted slash hope, Daisy was super relaxed. I mean, uh, Oscar Isaac and John Boyega are so funny. I love how they've embraced the bromance from the minute one, um, whether it happens or not, um, is is awesome. And people responded to that. You were in the crowd, so could you give me one or two things that even since I even though I've watched the panel twice in the trailer a million times that maybe didn't come across um, fully or, or at all to to outsiders the energy in the room being in an arena mm. like i've been to a couple of wrestling events and yep. there's just something about being in a crowd when it responds and excitement or ain't that you don't really get to experience when you watch it on the stream or if you're watching it on youtube there's just a unspeakable energy and excitement that it, it, it motivates you to react in a way that you would not react if you were watching something by yourself. I mean, that's why we like watching movies with a group of people. It heightens our feelings. It heightens our reactions. And it, it was just so amazing seeing people get up and cheer. And there was 
it's just it's just hard to explain unless you're there you know what i'm saying and getting to see it like obviously we didn't see it quote unquote first because the trailer dropped on youtube while it was in so i think we the people saw it a little bit quicker but we quote unquote mm. saw it first even if it was by milliseconds so yeah absolutely absolutely and uh you know the energy in the in the in the ex- exhibition hall was crazy and it was great that the cast came out uh two by two except for boyega because let's be honest he just went boyega by himself and by the way did you notice how boyega openly talked about the this dumb haters out there and how happy i mean you know he, oh. he wasn't throwing shade that wasn't deserved but everyone was sort of dancing around it with kelly marie and i like that boyega called them out and was like you guys here have proven you know that that you guys are the real voice and the fans of star wars i mean i don't know if he called us the true fans or the real fans but that's basically what he was saying and it was great to hear one of my favorite moments of the panel was all the nodding to storm pilot there was a lot of wink and a nod. Like, there was the Oscar mm. talking about how, like, yeah, he can fly anything. He'll accept anything, any challenge, and he's looking directly at Finn. Did it Finn. There, there was a lot of nods to uh, mm-hmm. Finn Pole, and I, I just found it hilarious. The, they, u- they, the Uber they, driver they, thing was hilarious. Yeah, the day they embrace it, you know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. And I, I love that. I really do. It doesn't mean it's canon. It doesn't mean it's not canon. But I love that they, they love, they play with the fans. And that's awesome. And that's something that came from the actors. And JJ would tell you that. I mean, they were always going to be buddies in the script in Force Awakens. But the immediate bro chemistry they had from the rescue up until the end with the jacket, I mean, totally comes from the actors. And, and they've both talked about that. I mean, they do truly love each other. And I think, you know... The, it's not that they would ever complain about what happened in Last Jedi, but I know that in particular Poe and Finn are excited to be together, uh, those actors adventuring in this final one. You know, um, I guess all of them are, but definitely those two. Uh, and that scene in the skiff with, with C-3PO looks pretty awesome. Um, and so, yeah, that was that was great to see. I love seeing JJ and Kelly Marie do the interview together. Of course, the Golden Goddess praised her name, Kathleen Kennedy, with uh, Daisy Ridley, uh, also amazing. Um, and it, what was cool was they, they were coming from, you know, the giant, you know, uh, basketball court, basically, that, that, that you guys were in. But then seeing the entire exhibition hall packed to the back, you know, watching them, they, they were like... I know I've never seen JJ like that before. He's usually see you know acts like I've seen this a million times. Like even he was affected by it. So it was just beautiful to see. Um, any last thoughts about the trailer? And then we really should move on to a couple more topics. Uh, there's some, we'll have to talk about it more later because right. there's a lot that we haven't talked about that we can talk about, and we have a lot more to talk about. Yeah. So yeah, maybe we should. You know, we'll do uh, at some point. Uh, a non mostly non-spoiler theory thing where we expand on some of the stuff we've talked about because i want to move on um so as a little bit of an interlude here um who was the favorite um photo op slash meeting that you had or, or multiple ones uh share it with the bizzlecast listeners everyone know I, tia sarkar again thanks to you for pushing me to do it it was definitely a huge highlight she was so sweet and warm i could feel it instantaneously um and now i have a beautiful photo of us um on my little shelf here but uh what was the highlight for you of, of people you met you remember last year when I met Ashley Eckstein, mm-hmm. how I was so excited and my hands were shaking. You remember that? I do. 
I felt the same way meeting Caden Christensen. Uh-oh. I was shaking. I was nervous. It was so amazing because he is my he's my Star Wars. He's the one I grew up with. I and he's so adorable and he's cute. And it, it, I, I was shaking because. I, I wanted to meet Mark Camel. Mark Camel, I mean, I fell in love with Luke Skywalker before I fell in love with Hayden. I, I, I adore Mark Camel despite sure. his current things. But but meeting Hayden Christensen, like, I met Ian McDermott, Palpatine's my favorite villain. I met Vanessa Marshall. I met Sam Whitworth. I met Palpatine's my favorite senator, actually. So there you go. <laughs> I met uh, E.K. Johnson. I met Ahmed Best. But the reaction that I had meeting Hayden Christensen is it, rare and, and, and it, it really mm. sucks me because like I said, there's just something about meeting somebody and you're still shaking after meeting them. So, um, can we transition? We, Sorry. We, we know yours. I mean, Oh, well I only had one and it was Tia and it was amazing. <laughs> and what was fun, you know, I, I came in with a big smile. I said, Tia, you're awesome. She's like, Oh, thanks. And you know, I didn't want to like, hug her too closely for fear of being weird but she just kind of grabbed me and pulled me in i was like all right you know and like it, it was yeah i mean you know you, you get so little time but just you know like her smiling she was so present it's just such a sweetheart and you know i uh i tell the story all the time but i i watched star wars rebels for many months before i looked up the cast on, I, I mean i knew freddie prince and some of the you know frank oz but before i looked up the rebels crew i always thought sabine had a great voice and i couldn't believe how adorable and stunning tia was and i looked her up it was many months after i started watching rebels and then i started on the good place and a bunch of movies and tv shows and i just think she's awesome and i think it's interesting to the geek girl that of all the rebels she was around the most this weekend and so i'm not saying she's going to be in the mandalorian extensively but i think the chance of her not even having a tiny cameo in the mandalorian considering they've revealed no one outside the main three the chances her not having a tiny cameo of some sort even if she's in the armor the whole time i think is almost nil um but maybe she just loves the fans that much i i don't know it's hard to say if she makes an appearance on the Mandalorian, it will probably sell the Mandalorian. I, I don't know if that's <laughs> where you want to go next, but uh, yeah, let's know go. If you- I know you probably didn't listen to my podcast with Simi. What I said to Simi was my I thought it was a cool idea from the beginning. I like that Filoni and Favreau, you know, held court and ran their own panel. I'm not in love with any of the cast members, even though I love Apollo Creed from Rocky, but I haven't seen Carl Weathers in anything for years. Woman's an MMA fighter. She looked like a bad fucking ass. And people like Pedro Pascal from Game of Thrones. I haven't seen it. I'm not less excited, but episode nine combined with the Clone Wars. I mean, Mandalorian is nowhere near my excitement for Clone Wars. And it didn't yeah. change, is my point. It's, it didn't, it, I'm, I'm not less excited. I'm definitely more excited. I've always been more excited than you about this, and I remain more excited than you, but it didn't go up significantly, whereas even though I didn't see the Clone Wars stuff till after I got home, I'm way more amped about Clone Wars by like a thousand than I am the Mandalorian at this point. I was there in the, well, not in the panel itself, but I was in the live stream. I saw the behind the scene footage. I saw the whole panel. I saw the exclusive clip and the trailer, and it looked absolutely stunning and beautiful. It has a good creative team. I actually saw the clip. I I found it online. Well, well, there's more than just that. But anyways, Mm. it, it looks brilliant. It has a great creative team behind it. I love the actors. I love that the actors are 
taken back being part of Star yeah. Wars, many of them, but all three of them, it's their first time in a Star Wars family. I, I think that there's going to be people who absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. We needed this in Star Wars, but for me, I felt like, and the Sky Talkers talked about this in their podcast. I ta- I felt like shout John out to was- them. Sorry to interrupt. Shout out to them, by the way. I they were the only ones I knew what they looked like, and we hunted them down at uh at, at the party, and they were so super sweet. Shout out to Sky Talkers. Go ahead. I felt like the type of fan that I am. I didn't feel like they were talking to me. I felt like the well, the demographic that they were talking at targeting. It's not my demographic. That doesn't mean I would could not end up liking the show. That doesn't mean that my demographic cannot like it. But I feel so di- disconnected from it. And I'm glad that something like that is in Star Wars because we needed that. But for me, it, I'm not excited. I, I'm going to watch it. It's kind of like The Punisher for the, the Marvel Netflix show. I'll watch it and I'll probably enjoy it. But that doesn't mean I'll love it. That doesn't mean I'll watch it over and over again but I, I just feel so disconnected with it and, and it sucks because I want to love it I want to enjoy it it's David Filoni you know what I'm saying and who knows I, I'm just hoping it's not like can, can it, I, there's people who are looking yeah. forward to it that has a mm-hmm. history with Star Wars that I do not have can I um, can, can I can I just can I jump in real quick go ahead. um and this isn't aimed at you, but this whole notion of this isn't aimed for me thing, I think you're just setting yourself up for, well, maybe you're setting yourself up for, for, for moderate expectation, moderate expectations. In which case, that's true. But I hope it's not like this isn't for me. And so I'm really not going to be looking forward to it, you know, and like psych yourself out of. I do want to point out that two of the episodes are being produced by Deborah Chow, who has mm-hmm. produced Jessica Jones, yep. uh, a number of the Defender shows, um, Better Call Saul, Man in the High Castle, American Gods, like literally a lot of the best sh- uh, on TV. And she is an Asian woman who don't normally get a chance to do this. Bryce Dallas Howard, you know who she is, Ron Howard's daughter. And she's been directing all the way, even while acting. And Taika Waititi, who, yes, he did Thor Ragnarok, which isn't my favorite, but his Hunt for the Wilder People and a number of what we do in the shadows and other com- indie comedies are amazing and hilarious um and feloni's doing the other two episodes so i can literally vouch the only person i can't vouch for from a directorial standpoint is um bryce dallas howard but she comes from ron howard's you know stock uh you know so she's been watching the master all these years and she has feloni and favreau helping her out and so as someone who loves actors but also directors for me the actors and favreau plus feloni and lucas's advisement whatever that is is all a plus the, the problem for me is i don't know the rest of the cast nick nolte doesn't excite me you know giancarlo esposito has gus in breaking bad is spectacular but he's only listed in one episode and so this is one of those that yes it, not just tia but i need two or three characters or actresses katie sackoff as well is bo-katan still alive i don't know but katie sackoff who is already a sci-fi star and you know we know bo-katan's gonna be in the uh siege of mandalore episodes so I- i'm partially with you um but like i said i started at a higher level level of excitement but i'm with you in the sense of I'm, i haven't gotten any more excited i just started at a higher level of excitement but I'm, i've barely been thinking about it i've mostly been thinking about the clone wars in episode nine so i think we could probably move on because you know we're just going to tread water 
Hold on. I, I would like to say one more thing. Yeah, um, just, just, just because I'm not really looking forward to it, just because I'm not excited, it doesn't mean I cannot be blown away. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean I will not enjoy the ride. Like, Solo yeah. is my least favorite Star Wars film, but I, there's still mm-hmm. moments I enjoy. There's still moments I laugh. Sure. I, I still will watch it. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm not excited for something does not mean I cannot be blown away. Oh, yeah. It does not mean I cannot enjoy it. It's just that it just doesn't, it just feels like it's not being spoken to. And like I said, who knows? I'll be watching it day one. Every episode that comes out, I'll be mm-hmm. watching it. Mm-hmm. I will be talking about it, hopefully right. with you. Don't get me wrong. Unlike some people, just because I dislike something or not interested in something doesn't mean I hate it. So no, I, I'm, no, I'm really no, watching what's yeah. coming with the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. But um, I just, I, I just, you know, I like to maintain positive attitude. Because the golden goddess Kathleen Kennedy has not let me down yet on anything major. Even like The Last Jedi, which I have problems with, is still a brilliant, beautiful, amazing product. And I I just have nothing to complain about. And so I I don't, I just, for people out there, you know, not everything is going to be for you, but don't necessarily go into it being like, oh, this isn't for me. So, you know, it can only reach a blah, blah, blah. But, but Jake, I want to tell you something that we do share in terms of this, which is interesting, which is you and I share the, Lack of understanding why Boba Fett is such a popular character, right? I mean, he's a shit character. I knock Captain Phasma, but if Captain Phasma did like 20% more, she's already more interesting than Boba Fett. And, and so, but on the other hand, we love Sabine. Correct me if I'm wrong on these. We love Sabine. We yep. love uh, Duchess Satine. We yep. love her sister Bo-Katan. We love the Mandalore episodes with Maul in season five of Clone Wars. We're going to fucking love the Siege of Mandalore in Clone Wars, right? So we do like Mandalore and Mandalorians, but this does smell like fan service of Boba Fett a little bit. And if that's what it is, then I will be right with you and being kind of skeptical. But I don't think I don't think Filoni would have gotten on board because let's be honest, Filoni's the one who made Mandalore cool for people like you and me, right? I mean of those characters. I mean, I think everyone I just named are Filoni's or Lucas's characters. So I, I, I have to think that's why he's on it. Cause if it was just Favreau, maybe he would go to old school fanboy on, on the Boba Fett thing, which you know, I hate. I would like to wrap up with one last statement yes. and then let's move into the yes. one. Oh yes. 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 The Mandalorian looks absolutely stunning. It looks so beautiful. It, it looks does. like the OT on HD is stunning and that is, uh, that's amazing. Uh, but so yeah, it, it's not like I don't have positive things and yeah, it looks so great. Sure. Fair enough. Okay. All right. Now for the big show. Now for the big show. I talked a lot about this podcast with Simi. He being an, an Ahsoka lover, even to a 10 times more than me is also completely out of his mind about this. Um, he didn't see the full panel, but he watched all the trailers. I saw the full panel and saw the trailer, the trailer, the clips, everything. I've said a lot about this already, so I'm just going to let you go on about um, the, the Clone Wars. Oh, my God. Ahsoka with blue lightsabers. Uh, I, did, I did not know I needed that in my life. I saw that. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? And the, the action, like mm-hmm. when Ahsoka is on the gunship she's fighting with her lightsabers killing i believe mandalorian uh at that time and she cuts the jetpack and then she hops up it's just oh my god and ray park is back doing the motion capture of maul oh my god 
I'm shaking. Um, and then, and then, like mm-hmm. eight of the episodes is going to be on Ahsoka. We we have three separate arcs that we know of. We have to see Jamandalore. We have Bad Batch, and then we have Ahsoka after she leaves the Jedi Order. You know, discovering herself and going down to thirteen thirteen. It's just, oh my god! It's just I cannot wait. So some places this is being listed as season seven and other places season six it's very confusing it's season seven right that's how i view it um did have they definitively given us the breakdown because i don't think two or three episodes is enough for siege of mandalore i could be wrong no 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 it, it, it's 12 episodes and no i, I understand think, no i yep. mean after the bad batch and in the other plot lines like the actual siege like yeah i don't know i i can see the siege of mandalore very easily being six episodes that's how I feel. Yeah, that was my, yeah. that was what I said. Fifty percent. Yeah, but I don't I don't know. I I can definitely see like four episodes for Bad Batch, two of thirteen thirteen, and mm-hmm. six of the Siege of Mandalore. I mean, uh, <laughs> it's not because- a coincidence that the three actors up there were Ahsoka Tano, Darth Maul, and all the clones. Right? I mean. This- it's going to be, I'm so sorry, I'm just fangling all over this. It's going to be such an emotional moment because we're going to see the last time mm-hmm. Ahsoka interacts with Anakin Skywalker. We're going to see Order 66. We're going to see the horror as the 501st turns on her, yep. excluding Rex. We're going to, oh. Can I put a couple of small things out? Go for it. So, uh, as I talked about with Simi, there's a couple very predictable things, which is Sam Witwer almost gave too much away and Filoni was ready to strangle him. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ashley Eckstein started crying, which always happens. God bless her. That's why we love her. Um, because, you know, we've talked about this. The panel two years ago when it was like, this is what we would have done in the final thing with Siege of Mandalore. And now it's, she cried then because it was beautiful, but it was never happening. And now she's crying because it's happening. I mean... You know, and and the fact that Filoni was making fun of her, that she was going to turn everything into merchandise. She's like, yep, you're damn right. <laughs> like, and we're all like, yeah, damn right. Um, but by the way, I, Sam Witwer is the, you would think, okay, actors with egos, especially because Sam Witwer not only does live action fighting in other shows, but does motion capture for video games. His new video game, Days Gone, is about to come out. Um, that he he's the lead character of, but he is such a Ray Park fanboy. You know, he always talks about how he listened to the commercials because there was more uh, Ray Park Mall um, in the commercials of uh, voc- uh, uh, lines than there were in the actual Phantom Menace, and so he would listen to all of those animals in the Phantom Menace. So he's the most excited. You know, he could be like, "Oh, it should be me doing the motion capture." Nope, he's so pumped that Ray Park is doing it, and it works seamlessly. I know he was sitting, but it works seamlessly at the end of Solo, right? JGG. So this should be an amazing amalgamation but i think it was the right choice to have sam Witwer do the voice now that we're used to it i think oh yeah i think that was 100 percent going to happen like that was like one of my favorite moments of the panel where sam is talking about maul and david filoni's like you went right up in the edge and you saw sam Witwer like sit back and he's like oh my god <laughs> he was like so nervous and shit it was just and it was just quite a moment it was mm-hmm. like 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 you you could tell like he was shanley content like oh crap well because he he you know he twitches a good amount too and so he'll be playing battlefront while answering fan questions and fans are always trying to get spoilers and he keeps going up to the edge constantly poor feloni having to keep him in line you know but hey that's part of the job 
I love David Filoni. Uh, I, I, seeing him in person, like obviously not meeting him face to face yet, but seeing him in person on all of his panels, I see why people love him. Yes. I see why he, he just, he's hilarious. He's funny. And we'll talk about that later after what the one clone was. But yep. I, I love David Filoni and I, yep. I Sam, what work is that? He's so hilarious. Yeah, Filoni, and Filoni has a natural touch with the fans in a way Lucas never did. And it's not a critique of Lucas. He's just more of a private guy. Um, you know, Filoni is, is just is just natural, even though he acts weird. You can tell everyone loves him. I mean, everyone loved George, too, but you can tell everyone loves Filoni. Um, and uh, what I was going to say was... Okay, so Jedi Geek Girl. So outside of the Ahsoka novel and the panel from two years ago with Ash, where they he showed the drawings and everything about Siege of Mandalore, and then we've got some minor references in Rebels. Is there any other canon I'm missing um, th- that even mentions it? So far? I don't think so. so I don't think can, so. No. So, something I didn't realize until I did the podcast with Simi and we were talking about this is <laughs> we know, but we know what the. F- we know the fight in the Siege of Mandalore, and they tease us with, with the, the trailer, but with, with all the little bits of information we have so far, we don't really know how it goes down and how it ends, because neither of them definitively wins, obviously, um, and so the way they manifest, you know, uh, you know, like, is there going to be a temporary winner and loser? Is it just going to be a stalemate, you know, like, you know, or, or whatever, or something in between? I, I love that we don't know that part yet. It was so, it's sort of like with Rogue One. It's like, okay, we know it's the Death Star plans, but how they get the plans and meeting all the characters is the fun part, right? And then the Vader thing at the end. So even as much as you and I have like studied every little clue about Siege of Mandalore, there's still a lot we don't know about the actual fight in the aftermath. And of course, where is Anakin at that exact moment? You know, so I, I, there's still so many surprises, which is one of the many reasons I'm so excited. It is touch upon in the book. Uh, I don't know if you want me to go into it, but they do talk about uh, the the end. But who's to say that's really quote unquote the end of no, the fight? I know what you're talking about because I ha- I did re- listen to some of it and reread some of it lately. But I- I'm talking about like filling in some of the gaps. Like where I know he gets like trapped in a force field or something, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. But again, you know, just because we know some of the details doesn't mean we know how it's actually going to go down. Now he, now Filoni can't contradict his own canon, but I know he has some surprises up his sleeve. Like for example, episode 12 or, you know, half of episode 12 could be just a sheer aftermath of her running into the wilderness and whatever the fuck happens to him. Right. I mean, or flipping back to Anakin on his way back to Corset. Like there's a lot of ways it could end. I am. And David Filoni also said that he's going all out on this. And I don't know if you watched the original Clone Wars, the 2003, 2004, 2005 series, but I predict the Siege of Mandalore is going to be the same level of epicness as the Battle of Coruscant from that series. There's so much that we do not know that we have not seen yet that I Mm -hmm. think is going to blow our minds. And yes, some of it's going to be around Ahsoka, some of it's going to be around that fight, but there's more to it that we haven't seen that we don't know yet. Mm -hmm. It's just going to be amazing. And a lot of it reminds me of uh, Season 5 when Maul kills Satine. Spoilers. Um, Remember when Obi-Wan comes out of the door and the door is open and you see fighting the Mandalorian Civil War and stuff like that? Now imagine that, but uh, taken up to the next level and longer. 
and, and we we see it in the trailer uh which base like where where you know that we we are getting a air portion of the battle can we can we just talk about the animation for a second go ahead um so you know i i've watched the clone wars through a few times i've watched rebels through a lot my personal feeling again guys this is just a bizzle i find rebels to be more rewatchable because the long arcs of clone wars with all the battles can be really exhausting um and i just love shows like firefly where you have a smaller crew doing heist jobs that occasionally become bigger fights or whatever um that being said it, it there's no question that clone wars has always done big ground battles way better than the few times rebels has you know, like like the end of season three and beginning of season four of rebels is my least favorite because there are these big ground battles that just clearly don't have the production value but i find the characters more colorful and three-dimensional their faces emote more in rebels um you know it gets there's all new characters you know it's just ahsoka and then new versions of anakin and obi-wan which is great because i love it new anakin and new obi-wan god man lent are such a hottie Mm-mm-mm. um but uh <laughs> but uh but i mean come on we all know it um but uh and i'm glad by the way the whole cast did come out eventually but it was obvious who they were featuring but my my main complaint about the clone wars animation jaggy girl uh, 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 from the original five six seasons uh, is just that it's a little brownish to me and a little flat, um, even a little over-stylized, um, but also a little colorless. And if you watch the new trailer, it definitely looks like Clone Wars like immediately, but there is more dimensionality to it. If anything, it looks more lifelike. And there's these beautiful sunsets and different colors. And you know what I mean? Like everything to me, when you see them looking at the, the photo of the, the picture of the... Um, uh, the clones uh, taking a photo. That, that's like a very rebel shot to me. Um, and there are times when I like the rebels lightsaber better than Clone Wars and sometimes vice versa. I guess what I'm saying is this is still 75 to 80% Clone Wars, but I think they took some things that I like making it a little bit more colorful as dark as the situation is and a little bit more three-dimensional um, in this version I love it. This is to me is the best television animation I've ever seen. And Ahsoka with two blue lightsabers and an explosion behind her is literally the coolest thing I can possibly come up with. What is your feeling about what you've seen of the animation so far? I have, I think it's absolutely stunning. I think it's beautiful. I think like it's, it's uh, next level to me. I, it, 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 one of the biggest takeaways for me was Ahsoka's new outfit and his new look. Amazing. Along with the new look of the other characters, and I just had to I laugh because Filoni was talking about the new outfit, and he was like, he told Ashley, "I'm like, I'm sure you will make this outfit." And then they show a clip, and Ashley was like, "Yeah, I'm making that outfit." Oh yeah, and oh, yeah. At the new Ahsoka, it's just it's just stunning, and a two minute, three minute trailer plus those clips, I I just want to see more and I cannot Mm -hmm. wait. I mean, as beautiful as the trailer looked, as beautiful as those clips looked, once we get the final product, because I'm sure they have to do minor touch-ups, but yeah, I I just cannot wait. I think Mm -hmm. it will top everything that came Mm -hmm. before. Um, one, One final thought from me, and you can end on this topic however you want, is between the outfit, but also the maturation of Soka and, and Rex and some of the clones. I know this takes place 18 or 20 years or whatever before Rebels, 15 years. 
but I think their experience with older Ahsoka and older Rex is informing the more mature, complicated versions of them here. And there's just this beautiful feedback cycle of forget the aesthetics, just the character writing for these characters. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it and yes, the, things like the outfit and, and different things help make her look older and more mature. And we do have her book, but I, I think that. It, it's not that the rating for her was ever less than 10 out of 10. I just think it's going to 11 out of 10 now and Rex too, because we've seen, we were informed by their amazing relationship in rebels when they are reunited. And it's, that's one of the sweetest things about rebels. I love so much. Um, I don't know. Those are just thoughts I've had. The last thing I want to end the clone was on is, I don't know if you have seen this, but if you go online to get an autograph for celebration. Obviously, you can no longer do that. Underneath Harris and Dula, it says here slash Rebels slash The Clone Wars. And hmm. I noticed that. And I was like, okay, maybe they didn't in air, but they never changed it. Not only did they never change it, but when you got in line, you know how when you got in line in the autograph, they had a number? And then they had the uh, actor or actress's name, and then they had the series that they were from. Like I'm at best, uh, prequels, prequels. Uh, yeah, I Batman was so on another level of excitement and fanboyish for Tia. I didn't notice any details. In fact, I don't remember anything other than taking the picture at this but the, point. But the point I'm trying to say is, yeah. is it had number what, whatever Vanessa was at. Yes, Vanessa Marshall, I know what you mean. Yep, Clone Wars slash Rebels. Hmm. So, and, and I told her, I'm like, I'm really looking forward to seeing what that clone was mean. So, hmm. a little Shamsandula, perhaps? Maybe a little post credit scene, maybe a little um, audio reduction, you know, making her younger. Who knows? But I'm really curious to see what that's about because if it was an air, it would have been taken down and well, it never was. Well, Shamsandula is in play just based on time period. I, I don't know how they'd work him in, but. Yeah. But I, I think we're going to get a stinger with hair. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll take it. I will take it. Um, like, 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 could you imagine the last three minutes of the show with adult, adult Ahsoka talking to hair mm-hmm. or something along the lines of that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, anything you say gets me excited <laughs> about this. So I could see a time jump with Ahsoka at the end where we get older Ahsoka with Sabine, you know, looking for Ezra. I mean, there's a million things that could happen. Yeah, I, I'm just so excited. Like the Clone mm-hmm. Wars is probably like, no, it is probably what I'm looking for mm-hmm. to most. Not that doesn't mean that episode nine is any less. It just means that the, if I had to put one thing at the top, Mm-hmm. It's the clone wise. By the way, uh, not only did Tia like my my tweet about with the photo of her, but she also immediately started re-trolling a troll because she referred to in the, her panel Ezra as being like the damsel in distress, and she liked how that's flipped. You know that he needs uh, Ahsoka and her to save him, and some you know white male asshole i'm assuming you know came up with some bizarre uh, insults uh about how ezra saved all their asses and they should be thankful and she reposted it and trolled him cutely like she always did uh and uh, he called it like the hottest of the stupidest of hot takes or whatever and i I wrote back i was like t i've always said you're the hottest of hot takes and she was like like i was like yeah God, they're such idiots. Such idiots. Oh, my God. I just love so, that she takes them on. 
So moving on past the big three panels, I would like to talk about my favorite non-big panel, and that would be the Resistance panel. Like, obviously, Mm -hmm. it's big, but it wasn't the main feature. I had a lot of fun at the Resistance panel, and I don't Mm -hmm. don't think you have watched Resistance yet. I haven't. But I, ha- those- I haven't, but wait, just real quick, uh, guys, I'm it, do you, I'm giving you permission to do spoilers if you want from season one. I don't care, but if, I, if you're going to, I just want to w- warn the listeners. No, no, I'm not going to do okay. that. Just, just, just because I think it's worth watching. But watching Resistance, mm-hmm. Resistance is targeted again. We're getting to demographic to a different demographic than its predecessors, Rebels and Clone Wars. But you have these characters that are very unique there's no characters like them some would say that they're childish i would say that's part of the charm and you see these characters and how they are and then you see the panel i was at the panel and these actors are so much like this kid their characters like donald Faison is so much like hype Faison. Tora doza her actor is act- actress is so much like her cast mm. It's, it's so much like Christopher Sean. Like they are. I got to see Faison, by the tell. way. I saw Faison and Bobby Moynihan on the exhibition stage. They were awesome. They both begged to be on the show. And like, like if you take like, imagine yourself, listener, as a Star Wars fan, how mm. you would feel if you were in a Star Wars. Now Donald and I, Bobby. I think it's his name. How yep. they be, like you can tell that they were having the time of their life. The panel mm-hmm. opened, the resistance panel opened with both of them, Donald and Bobby, uh, being like, hey, can we run into the crowd? And they ran into the crowd. Like, mm-hmm. I know that resistance is a sticking point for some people, but they are family. The, the series is so, so fun. Now, everything has to be super deep, super serious. And I absolutely love Resistance. We saw the first episode, and they are continuing a plot point that they dropped in the last episode of Resistance. It's, it's, it's hilarious. I love it. It's engaging. I love the art style. It's just, I just had so much fun. And so what? If people don't like Resistance, I absolutely love it. And yeah. So. You, you, you so, can tell so, okay. when I really love something because yeah. I, I make a but of myself. So, um, of course, if you guys don't know, uh, Bobby Moynihan before this is best known as a Saturday Night Live writer and the genius behind the uh, Adam Driver, uh, Matt the Radar Operator sketch that came out shortly after um, uh, episode seven. Um, I don't do, do... do Was that funny to you? Because to me, that's one of the great sketches of all time and proved how hilarious and brilliant Adam Driver was. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, it's it, it's so on point, and a guy that I that follows me online um, and is in, maybe in some of the same uh, Star Wars stuff that you're in. His name Tim Tim McMahon, Timothy McMahon, and his avatar forever has been Tim the Stormtrooper, who's Bobby Moynihan's character with the face where he after he gets force thrown by Kylo Ren, aka Matt the Radar Technician, he goes, "Dude, Matt straight up sucks." <laughs> He doesn't. He still doesn't realize it's Kylo Ren. And then he got. To, he had made a shirt out of it and met Bobby Moynihan and took a picture of Bobby Moynihan with the shirt with Bobby Moynihan in the stormtrooper gear from that sketch. I mean, only at a Star Wars convention 
not only would that be possible, but that level of meta-ness, you know what I mean? It's just great, especially because the thing is, is whether you think the, the Kylo Ren sketch was funny or not, I actually don't know anyone who doesn't think it was funny. I think it's hilarious. But even if you don't, you have to appreciate the level of Star Wars nerdiness. And, you know, Lucasfilm let them bring the, that Kylo Ren stuff forward and the Stormtrooper armor. Like, that was a huge production. And so, seeing uh, Faison and Bobby on the same stage, both of whom I, I was aware who they were, uh, was really, really... I happened to catch them on Sunday on my way to CTS. So, that was super fun. Yeah, I definitely recommend looking into it, watching that panel. Even if you don't watch the show, it was kind of fun seeing like chemistry yep. and stuff like that. And yeah, I, I just found myself having a lot of fun. And it, mm-hmm. it was amazing seeing like, hey, these people are like so much like their characters. Just, just for the record, when I get Disney Plus, I'm binging the whole thing in like two days. I, I only am not watching it because I don't have a DVR anymore. I barely have cable. I don't really like their app and watching commercials. And I'm not paying 30 to $40 for a season of Star Wars. It's ridiculous how much they charge for it on Amazon. If it was like 20 I would do it. 40 bucks, No way. So Disney Plus, yes. I, I love the animation style. I don't care that it's supposedly for kids. I'm going to love it. You know, again, I, I'm a Star Wars Rebels guy, and I, I people say, "Oh, Rebels is for kids." If you watch closely, it's not. You know, it's pretty mature, um, and I'm sure Resistance has some mature themes. Do you want to talk a little bit about um, or tease what they were teasing for season two? Uh, if there was going in any new directions, or or what? Hmm. Uh or they already headed in the right direction. They headed in the right direction already from one, and it's just gonna just keep going up, up, up. So I, I, I really want to dance around it just because that's who I am about plot specifics. But if you watch the series, you see a character. Obviously, they all develop. You see a character develop to, and they push to a breaking point in the last few episodes of season one. And season two continues with that character staying committed to the path that they are on. And your heart breaks because you don't want to. This character is doing something that you know is is wrong, and your heart breaks. But inside, you're like, yes. They're staying committed. You want to see it because it's, it's a better story. It's more interesting. Mm-hmm. It has not yet been done in an animated show. And you know that it's going to cause future drama. And, and again, your heart breaks. You feel for it. And I was like, you you hear people in the audience. They were like, that They did not want it. They were like, no. But but inside, you, you hear shing because mm-hmm. you know that's only going to escalate the story. And uh, there was another scene in it. And then the show gets a lot of crap about its comedy. But I, I find some of it hilarious. And there's this moment in the first episode of season two where you see it coming. You see the, the moment coming. You hear people in the audience being like, oh, no, no, no. And then it happens and everybody erupts laughing. So... I'm sure I'll enjoy it, you know. Um, let me ask you one question about it. Uh, does it resonate with the comics tone at all, or, or is it totally its own thing? What do you mean? Can, can you define that a little bit better? What do you mean comic tone? So, like, well, first of all, everyone's jumping on the Afro train now, which is great. But you were on it early, and I followed as soon as I realized what it was. But some people might find it, like, I laugh out loud at some of the Afro stuff. I don't know if it hits for everybody. I'm wondering, is it is is the resistance humor similar to sort of the quirky humor in the better Afro and other comic books in, in that sense? Not the same, but sort of, t- I don't know, tickle the same uh, vibe. 
it is its own unique thing. Like Niku cool. is a character um, from season one, and obviously he's still on the show. He he's he's a character that is kind of quirky. That he's very he could very easily grind on you. I I think he's a little autistic. Um, but the way his humor, like in season one, episode one, he Kaz makes a joke about how he's the best pilot, and Niku takes that seriously, and he's like tells everybody, and it kind of gets Kaz in a in a race, and Niku has this laugh. That is like might be grating, but you find it so you it's, it's a he has a certain charm because mm. it's a laugh that is so unique. Like, it's kind of like it, imagine somebody laughing and they snort. You you think of that and it, you might be repulsed by it. You might find it weird. I do that sometimes. It, yeah, <laughs> but, but but it has its own little charm about it mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And Niku is that character um, that is so unique and so out of the box and so different that you're like I, I can't help. But like this guy because of his quirkiness, and the show mm-hmm. and the whole show is like that. Like I don't think that there are characters in Resistance that you see in other places in Star mm-hmm. Wars, and that is why I like it. I like it because it's so unique and it's so different. Absolutely, and it's always great to see Mary McGlynn, Stephen Stanton, and Dee Bradley Baker doing a lot of voice work in literally anything. So that's awesome. So, um, yeah. so I, I think we should move into my tattoo. Yes. Um, so we should move towards the final section, which will include your tattoo. Um, so do you want to do that and then end on something? Or do you want to end on that and do something before? Because I, I have to ask you about episode one, because I've been piecing together people's dissatisfaction about that panel. And we've been so positive so far, but I don't actually know what happened. So maybe we should do that first and then end on some positive notes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. I just I, the only thing I'm going to say is I said in our pre podcast that Ahmed Best would get a standing ovation. And I was thrilled to see that that happened. Yeah, uh, I mean, we, we all saw it coming, but there, it was amazing seeing that and being in the room for that. Yep. So, okay. So can, well, can I give you my perspective? So, I was traveling on Monday, but not till later in the day, though, right? And so, when I was at the airport, the panel was over, and I was seeing literally almost no tweets, good or bad, about the panel, which is so unusual. Now, I know Monday you know, had the least number of people. It is the Monday. A lot of people had left Sunday night or like me on Monday. I, w- I will say, Janky Girl, despite our wanting Natalie there, I started to feel in the air around Saturday, especially knowing that Monday was going to be kind of small. I was starting to feel in the air that it wasn't going to happen. But the one that really shocked me is that Ewan wasn't there or even videoed in. Um, and people were like, oh, Hayden should have gone. I'm like, guys, Hayden isn't in the movie, but... With Hayden making all the big bucks and doing awesome appearances, it might have been interesting to have his perspective on it, but he certainly isn't obligated. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. Like every, I, I can't be mad at anyone. And Natalie was just interviewed the other day about the prequels, and, and she's aware that, you know, it's a lot more positive now, and people identify with Padme openly now, and she's happy about that. But um, so I'll just leave it to you because other than what I just said, I know literally nothing about the panel. So, so I'm going to give it to you for a couple minutes here. The panel was a celebration of episode one, and that was the point of the panel. I mean, it was a little underwhelming. There was nothing really big. Everybody who was advertised to be there was there. 
Uh, yeah, it was disappointing that nobody made it. I was expecting Lucas. I did feel the same thing in the air that you did of Natalie not making it. I yeah. still had hope. But like I said, it was a celebration. Before the panel began, they were playing 90s music, which was absolutely wonderful. It, it's so nostalgic. Mm. And they had a little girl come up to the stage. If, if you follow the Ivy Bell Facebook page, I posted a picture. It's not a good quality, but it's there. Of a little girl who had to be less than six and she was wearing a Queen Amidala outfit, like the red outfit. It was so adorable and cute. And once the panel began, before it began, they started with their weird owl song and everybody lit up their lightsaber. They dimmed the lights and everybody put up their phone and it was, it was a celebration. Uh, nothing big came out of it, but again, I'm going to say it, it was a celebration. And it was so nice being in the room with people cheering for Jar Jar Binks. It was so nice being in a room with people who was cheering Sorry, episode one. Mm -hmm. So that's the biggest takeaway for me. I mean, yeah, it was kind of not really boring. I mean, Lucas, but it, it was so nice being like, here's a film that has this narrative of not being popular, being celebrated, being cheered, being embraced. And mm -hmm. that is what I love. And Lucas, yeah, he wasn't there, but he did send a video. And he's like, episode one is he's like, episode one, I'm paraphrasing here. Go watch the video. Mm -hmm. uh, he's like, episode one's like my favorite. I Jaja Binks, my favorite character. Mm -hmm. You guys are here because you love star episode one. And I love you guys. Mm -hmm. It was it was just I think it was so reaffirming for him because he got slammed. He mm -hmm. got slammed hard. Mm -hmm. For the record, the Phantom Menace made more money than episodes two or three. Just just for the record. Yeah, and 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 I stand by it to this day that it is underappreciated. I think it's a better yep. film than people mm -hmm. say it is. I mean, I don't even know how to do these lists anymore, JGG. But like. The more time goes by, let's put it this way. If, if, if you're a buddy of mine local and you come over and you want to watch episode two, I'll be like, no. But if you want to watch episode three, I'll be like, eh, am I in the mood? But you want to watch episode one? I'll be like, yeah, let's do it. Let Natalie Portman kick and butt and Qui-Gon Obi-Wan, Darth Maul, the pod race. Like the more time goes by, it, it's so, so clearly the most rewatchable for me of the prequels. And so maybe I have to put it ahead of episode three. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing, but I definitely, that would be the one I would watch. Um, yeah, I don't know. It ages I, well. It ages really well. I would agree with you on that. I do put episode three above episode one. But oh, you episode have three, three at the top. Yeah, episode three is such an emotional roller coaster mm -hmm. and it's so charged and powerful. It's kind of like Last mm -hmm. Jedi. Like, I love Last Jedi and mm -hmm. it's just so emotionally powerful. And, like, Rogue One is one of those two that, for me, I just cannot rewatch those films. Not because I don't love them, I love them to death, but I want to keep that emotional charge where, like, I can throw on Solo, I can throw on Episode One, I can throw on A New Hope, I can throw on Force Awakens to a degree, I can throw, throw on, um, the, the other films because they don't have that emotional powerfulness that drains mm. you. You throw and, in solo a lot, really? Because <laughs> you threw well, some major shade last time. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, it. I'm just having fun. I'm having fun. I, I, yeah. I, I know. I, yeah. it, it, it doesn't draw good. you in. It's nice to have honest background noise um, because look, you don't have to. 
Yeah. Uh, can I be honest? Um, as a quick sidetrack, because we were talking about the movies, I still I have Solo above The Last Jedi on my list for now, but that's mostly because there's just fewer what I would consider cringeworthy moments, not because it's such a superior film. I probably watch s- at least parts of The Last Jedi well more than Solo. I have not watched Solo a ton. I thought it was going to be one of my more rewatchable ones, but I, I probably go to The Last Jedi more. Um it's tough because I love the performances of Donald Glover and Alden Ehrenreich, but it's still not Lando and Han. And I get why people stayed away because of that very reason, you know? Um, and it's done great post-market. I know they've made their money back, which they wasn't, weren't sure it's going to happen. I hope we get more Lando. I personally would love more Han and Chewie from that. You know, Amelia Clark is spectacular. She was just in Times Top 100, like most influential people in the world. Uh, And, you know, they have famous people write these articles. Emma Thompson wrote her article. And for those of you that don't know who Emma Thompson is, she's like one of the most legendary theatrical and film TV actors from England ever, uh, women. uh, For her to write it about Amelia Clark, she's so spectacular. JG Girl, I know this is off track, but I have to put this by you because I've been thinking about this recently. I think in addition to they should have released it closer to Christmas, obviously, if they had pushed Amelia, uh, if they would push Kira up in the, both the movie and the marketing, all the, all the numbers show that movies where the star or co-star is a woman do better than all male star co-stars. It, it's, you can see it with Jin and Ray, right? And we're going to see it again this this winter i think if they'd push kira up more i don't know she was my favorite character in it but i guess because she wasn't playing someone else's character so yeah it's tough because i watch it and i'm like oh maybe i should just watch the original trilogy so i don't know where that part of my list is at this point so back to the topic yes phantom menace is very watchable i'm glad it was a celebration i'm glad lucas at least made a video appearance I think maybe he didn't come because just he didn't want to distract attention from the rest of the stuff. I, I don't know. Um, it's hard for me to say. So other than Ahmed Best, any any highlights from the panel? I think the reason why he didn't show up is he is getting up to an age. In the video, you can tell That's he's true. showing his age. He's acting his age. He's working with the museum. I'm sure he had other things he was doing i didn't take it personally that he didn't show up Uh, but no i'm gonna wrap up the episode one panel by saying they didn't have to celebrate it they didn't have to acknowledge it they focused on it a lot as celebration a lot of the product that was being sold and focused on on the vendors was episode one stuff it was so nice seeing a celebration of uh, of a film that many people in popular quote-unquote internet culture pan it was so nice it was like you it's so affirming being in a room Mm. of people who were celebrating it and i'm so glad that they focused on it i yes it was a little quote-unquote disappointing but that's not the point of the panel for me it was that's that what sticks to that's what sticks to me it's the emotion and you know Mm. what if you don't like episode one if you don't like episode two that's your opinion. Cool story, bro. I'm just <laughs> glad I was there. So, cool. All right. Well, before we finish up with tattoo and final thoughts, um, you know, I've said it online a million times. I said on my last podcast, I'll say it again. This was the most positive, enthusiastic group of people I've ever been around. Even though I was only there for like 
two of the five days and one of the days I was only there for three or four hours but like I said between Tia and getting to see some stuff on the exhibition stage I also made friends with one of the sort of higher end um uh like hand-drawn um stuff uh what are they called I don't have their name in front of me um uh uh, store fronts and so i met some cool people there some of the podcasters were awesome um <laughs> i think i told you that uh after you left i stayed at the at that party until 3 30 in the morning in fact the party started in the lobby and then we moved it towards the podcasters and then people really got down it was super fun so again thank you jgg for hipping me to that because that was one of the more fun dance parties and nights i've had in a while even though i spent way too much money on those drinks <laughs> the, tea, the the 35 or 40 50 bucks for tea or whatever was way m- much better use of money you are totally right so tell the listeners about the tattoo and then you can finish on whatever you want because i've said it all I, I loved every minute it was amazing and like you i swore i would never go to another one and i'm already justifying how i can make it happen next year especially because let's be honest one of the major things that's going to be coming out time-wise is cassian after next year you know i think cassian's coming out next summer probably or fall so if there's like a rogue one and the cassian panel felicity and diego book it book it i'm there i'm there i'm there so let's start with my tattoo yes i know i haven't talked about getting a tattoo on the podcast but anybody who knows me personally knows i've been going back and forth on a tattoo i have a lot of anxiety because it's not a simple thing it wasn't for me at least like where do you go how you get it done the aftercare which is something i didn't think about and stuff like that so I was going back and forth. I know that I wanted to get it done, but I couldn't really justify it. I knew that I would want to get it done spontaneously. I knew that I would want to, like, you know, you hear those stories about people who, like, one crazy afternoon, they went down and got a tattoo. I wanted kind of like that type of thing because I didn't want to. I just wanted to get it done. And I've been going back and forth. I knew what I wanted to get it done. I knew what I wanted. I knew where I wanted it. I know I wanted. But I did not know and up until, like, an hour or two beforehand. It was at that point in time I made a decision to get it because I knew if I didn't get it there, I wasn't going to get it because I had so much anxiety about it. And I knew that now was the time to do it. And so I was walking around the tattoo pavilion, and I was looking around. I was asking prices. I was looking to find an artist that I really liked. And I found one and I she, she had an opening and I talked and the price was like more than I would like to pay. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it because... Again, if I don't do it now, I'm not going to get it done. So that was the day before I got the tattoo. And the day of the tattoo, I got there and I still had anxiety. I'm like, you know what? All this money that I'm spending, I could be spending on other things. I could be meeting like three or four other people. I don't know what I am going to do about like, I don't know the first thing about a tattoo, but I knew that I had to do it and I wanted to get it done because I knew why I was getting it done in the first place. I knew what it was going to mean. I knew its meaning. And I also know that it was going to be a sign of celebration. So when I look at it, it is a reminder of my love for Star Wars. It's a reminder of my favorite color. It's a reminder of what I relate to in Star Wars. But it is also a reminder of celebration. And I think that is why you get a tattoo at these events. Not because 
it is a tattoo, but because they have more than one meaning. You are braver than me, <laughs> Janaki girl. That was a cool picture. Yeah, and uh, I, after I got it done, I was like, I see why people get more than one tattoo. I see why they are addicted, and the pain was not that bad. I just couldn't believe how huge the setup was. My dad is like really has problems being even near it. Like he had to like run away, but I couldn't believe in the, such a family event, so many tattoos going on and they weren't even hiding yet. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Like you are up in the open. Like there was a girl getting a, um, I, I don't know what they're called, but the lower back. And I, I was surprised because you're wide open. Like people can watch you. And stuff like that. And to get such an intimate tattoo um, for some people, I just was like, it's so amazing. And spoiler alert, I am planning on going next year. I think I'm probably going to get another one. Again, just because of its symbolic nature. Um, Because getting a tattoo meaning one thing is one thing. But getting a tattoo that means something at a place it, it's another because every time I look at the tattoo, I know what it means. But I also think of the great time, the memories that I had at Star Wars Celebration Chicago. Well, again, thanks and credit to you for putting me over the top on this one. Now, the fact that it was in Chicago and I could hang with relatives and friends... Next year, I don't know. Anaheim, I mean, Orlando, I could justify. I have relatives in Florida. That's a cheap ticket for me. Anaheim seems expensive and tough, but you know what? I won't rule anything out. Oh, were you surprised that they were even having one next year, by the way? No. See, I was in the room at the closing ceremony, and when they were going to announce the next Star Wars celebration, I was not invested in it because I knew that Star Wars Celebration Chicago was going to be my only Star Wars Celebration just because everything lined up perfectly. And when the announcement was made of it being in Anaheim, there was no excitement in my behalf because I knew I wasn't going to be able to go. I knew I wasn't going to be able to afford it. And it being 2020, it didn't really matter to me. However, as the event came to a close... I reflected on it, and I was getting emotional. I cried. I was on my way home in my Uber, and the guy was trying to talk to me, and I could not hold a conversation. I was so emotionally charged. And I was like, you know what? I'm so happy for the people going next year. I will be watching it, and I made the conclusion that I'm going to do my best to go. I am going to buy a ticket. I am going to try to reserve a hotel room uh, because I can sell the ticket and I can cancel without a cancellation fee and they don't take money right away. So I want to go the way I'm looking at my schedule. I should have an opportunity just because Star Wars Destiny Worlds, which I usually go to, will be harder to attend. So yeah, it's just... It is such an experience, and I cannot wait to go back. Okay. So if you had to predict next year's celebration, uh, what would be on the docket, do you think? Next year is the five-year anniversary of The Force Awakens. I think that will be a focus. I can see a five-year anniversary of The Force Awakens panel. Hmm. I can see a... um, 
now Cassian was it's supposed to be 2021. However, I can still see them being on it. I can see like a post Mandalorian stuff. I can see a Clone Wars because the Clone Wars should be coming out around that time. Clone Wars is 2020 apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see actually I see Star Wars Celebration 2020 beginning to steal a Marvel term. Phase two of the mm. new era of Star Wars, because I think at the Star Wars celebration we are going to get a plan of the B and W Star Wars series and the Ryan Johnson trilogy. Mm-hmm. So I think if we had to do a kicking off point of phase two, phase two of the new Star Wars, um, it would begin there. So. My only put reason, other than wanting it sooner, reason why late twenty twenty one is a poss- uh, late twenty twenty excuse me is a possibility for Cassian. One the announcement now of K two. I mean, we all knew it was coming, but it seems kind of early if they're not going to start filming for a year and a half. But also, they swore up and down they weren't going to even start a new movie, uh, let alone trilogy this year. And of course, they're moving up pre-production of the Benioff and Weiss. I know I'm slightly more excited about that than you, even though I only like the first few seasons of Game of Thrones and I'm very critical of Game of Thrones. I think they're going to do a great job. But the fact that they're pushing it up, JK Girl, they don't want to go three plus years without a Star Wars movie. And I, I, I'm not saying that means they're going to push Cassian up, but they certainly are showing the desire to move some things up. So it, it could go either way. Um, but I think we'll have, you know, they won't have enough... Um, uh, information or footage uh, for a trailer, uh, but they might have a panel about like what we're trying to do with this new trilogy. And the fact that Kathleen Kennedy name dropped the Old Republic after this week, (laughs) last weekend, but not in connection with Benioff and Weiss is very confusing to me. I know that's not an old property that you're into, but you are aware of these things. Any uh, any theories as to a why Kathleen felt like she wanted to drop Old Republic now, but b not with Benioff and Weiss seemingly, which is what we all expected. I think it is a. Pl- I, thought, I, I hate using this phrase. I think it's a play to the fans. Like, hey, don't worry. You know this beloved this franchise that you love. We are looking at stories around it. If they they are coming, it, it's a way to give a give peace to the fans. I, I hate that terminology. I, I think that's the motiv- motivation. It's like, hey, the Skywalker saga is ending, but there's a future for Star Wars. And like I said about Phase Two beginning a Star Wars celebration 2020, that doesn't mean a trailer. But it doesn't mean like all these things. I mean, to me, it reminds me a lot of. Uh, Phase one in 2014, uh, ish. That that's where it, the beginning of the 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 move over to the, the new era of Star Wars. Um, in my opinion, so I I think it is just a, a goodwill to the fans. Like, hey, you know, we are looking at other things, including things that you love. Um, I I think it's a I think it, it was good of her to share that information because I know that a lot of people in the fandom have some anxiety. Like, like in my opinion, I don't think Legends is done. I think it's just a matter of time uh, where we get more Legends stories. And just like with Legends, it's just a matter of time before it, other airs that fans love get, it will get dived into. And I, I think that's her way of saying, like, yeah, you know, just it's coming where we're looking at it. Please be patient. Well, to, to be fair, um, 
<laughs> I mean, Filoni introducing Malachor, the Mandalorian Wars, and so forth. They haven't done a very good job of hiding it if they've been trying to hide it. I, that's, no, yeah. no. Yeah. No, that they haven't been hiding it. It, it just, but, but sometimes you need to, you need to come out and say it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you can't be subtle. And I think that's a lot of the problem that people have with Last Jedi. A lot mm-hmm. of it was very subtle. And sometimes people like need it flat out mm-hmm. said to them. And I have to ask, you know, we haven't heard much about the Ryan Johnson trilogy or even another movie. I know you'd like to see it. I would like to see at least another movie from him, even if we don't get a full trilogy. Have you heard anything there? Or, or Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's coming. It, it, he just takes a long time writing and working. He has another project that I think he's wrapping up right now. Uh, he, he's a slow worker, and he confirmed it on his Twitter page that he is working on it. Kathleen Kennedy said that it's working on it. it it's just that his production, production time is a little longer than others. Okay. Well, based on anything you know or pure speculation, it can be anything you've heard or want from said movie from Ryan Johnson. And we'll end there. I think it's going to be more theological, I think. Hmm. Uh, I think it's going to be more... Because if you look at The Last Jedi, it's a lot more... A subtle it's a lot more kind of spiritual like he was talking about the force he was talking about the jedi i think the bnw series is going to be more badassery more action more different and i think the ryan johnson trilogy is going to be more smaller scale more personal more spiritual like there, there might be like jedi in it and force users but it's going to be more monk-like you know what i'm saying and and i think you need that i think you need both ends of the spectrum because the great thing about star wars especially right now is because is that you have all these different things that speaks to different fans like you have people who love the last jedi but will not like the mandalorian but do also do does not like clone wars you have people who love clone wars but doesn't like anything new you have people who love the mandalorian but don't like anything else that new Mm. and there's so many options that i think you'll see star wars continue that i think the demographic of the ryan johnson trilogy there'll be crossover yes but will be slightly different than the BMW series, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I- I'm with you. I-, I would like to see a very low action, very high philosophy religion thing, because he's done it better than anyone other than Kazdin with Yoda and Empire Strikes Back, arguably better. I mean, the, the, <laughs> the fact that he worked in Yoda in the most philosophical of the movies since Empire, in my opinion, I, everything with Ray in the cave and Luke's in, what I consider wrong interpretation of Ray going to the dark side, Ray having a much more complicated thing, and you and I being animated series people, Ahsoka, but especially with Rebels and Ahsoka, you know the Gray or whatever you want to call her, and the Bendu, the you know the the, the middle. Of, I mean, yes, I'm 100 with you. That's what I want. I would love to see it. My only thing is he has had as much or more success in TV as, as film. I mean, his Breaking Bad late season Breaking Bad episode are among the best episodes of television of all time, agreed upon by lots of people, um, whether they like Last Jedi or not. And so for a, a real exploration, maybe like a BBC-length miniseries of like six hour to hour and 15 minute 
episodes geared towards adults in exploring the force i'm not saying i would rather see it on the big screen but if we get more of it and on you know the the streaming service i would be open to it because i'm with you i want to see more philosophy more religion all that stuff i think once he gets away from the legacy characters i think if people can get past their feelings on the last jedi i think they will be blown away by what ryan johnson can did, can mm-hmm. do it's just these high to these legacy characters in the last sure. jedi that people have the issue with i mean yeah you have the some things that aren't related to the legacy characters that people yep. have issues with the last jedi mm-hmm. but i think once we see the ryan johnson trilogy i mm-hmm. think people will be amazed well, I, I have two final thoughts on that that are happy thoughts, and I'll let you end, which is, A, we spend so much time listening to and interacting podcast people, listening to media, but of all the people who saw Last Jedi and liked or disliked it, the amount of them who knows that the director and writer's name is even Ryan Johnson is a very small percentage overall, right? Most people just want to go see The Last Jedi, so I don't think the average viewer would be, you know... Uh, would be swayed by it you know it's possible that podcasters and media people who don't like him could make that an issue but i think most people is like oh it's another star wars thing and this looks cool the forest let's check it out whatever blah 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 blah. that's my one thought the other thought is jg girl and i mentioned this before but i want to stress you know i i work tutoring high school age kids and it's always the last jedi or rogue one i know that seems weird but every kid i ask male and female it's always their favorites the last jedi or rogue one so the you know which is which is weird because most people have them on different sides of their list but a lot of the younger generation love last jedi and i think that's a great sign for for us for ryan johnson for the whole project and once more i want to end and i'll give you final thought thank you praise be the golden goddess kathleen kennedy praise her name hallelujah I would like to wrap it up by saying thank you so much for having me on. Let's do this again sometime. Yes. The next thing I would like to say, you, you can find me on Twitter at Jedi Geeko. You can find my podcast, I Rebel, a Solid Destiny podcast. On any podcast streamer, you can find my podcast on social, social media at I Rebel Destiny. Again, at Jedi Geeko and at, at I Rebel Destiny. And the last thing I will say is Star Wars is love. Star Wars is family. Go to celebration. Mm-hmm. Love what you love. Hashtag Star Wars is love. Yep. Love the thing you love. Absolutely. And don't hate on the thing other people love. But this was almost pure positivity. So thank you, Jedi Geek Girl. Thank you, Star Wars Celebration and everyone involved from top to bottom and everyone in between. Um, I think, JGG, we should have a more in-depth uh, Episode 9 um, podcast at some point in the next few weeks or whenever we, we can squeeze it in because um, we teased a ton of stuff with having to do with lore that I think is important um, so we'll see we'll see if more stuff comes out but this was awesome even though my computer crashed twice but because of audio magic you guys will never know um, I have to find what Sith Lord is fucking with my system and get rid of that uh, but this was great and uh, thank you Bizzlecast listeners you guys have been awesome for now uh, may the force be with you and JGG and the Bizzlecast are out